When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorization number TP slash 01005. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. At Chemist Warehouse this Christmas, find David off hot water at 110 mil for just $34.99. Baz and Izzy, we might be at the beach, but the show goes on. It's the summer breakfast on SENZ. Morena, Aotearoa, Louis Herman Watt, Tony Kemp today back in the studio. It, it, it is SENZ Summer Breakfast, three minutes past six o'clock, 13th of January 2022. I won't stop saying Happy New Year until I have to. Happy New Year to you. I hope you're enjoying it. Your first week back at work, most likely. Maybe not. Maybe you're still on holiday. If you are, fair play to you. I hope you're enjoying it and uh, stay with us throughout the morning this morning. Six till ten, four hours in the hot seat. Wouldn't rather be doing anything else because there's so much good sport to get through and plenty of good racing to get into as well. Today on the show, well, we're going to cover a lot of it. We're going to cover a lot of it. We're going to talk scrapping. Hopefully Kempi doesn't throw one at me a little straight straight across the desk here. We're going to talk racing. We're going to talk football. Because yesterday, Chris Wood, we spoke about him. We spoke about how Burnley are struggling and they don't necessarily know whether he's going to go to Newcastle or not. Well, he's gone for a medical, which would indicate he's keen to get out of there. Chris Wood, could he be Newcastle's new striker up the top? Cole Shelton is a Canadian MMA writer. He's going to join us and talk Kaikata France. Uh, Blood Diamond, Israel Adesanya, and this weekend's card, which is a ripper. It's looking like an absolute ripper. The Chief Operating Officer of New Zealand Thoroughbred Raising, <laughs> also a Philadelphia lawyer. We <laughs> <laughs> love that. Bruce Sharrick will join us because they're back at Trentham this weekend, the first time since that gnarly abandonment where 
we were seriously let down and stakeholders were seriously let down by the state of the track. So they've got a bunch of actions, New Zealand Thoroughbred Racing, they're seeing through. We'll talk to Bruce about that. And Shauna Polly, what a talent she is. She is a volleyball player in New Zealand and she's, um, well, here I said New Zealand there. Gee, that was terrible. That was the worst. That's the most Kiwi version of saying New Zealand ever. Uh, Shauna Polly, she's been around the world and the summer series is kicking off. This weekend at Ruakaka Beach, so it's the total about 56 or 60-odd athletes from both genders, and they're going to be playing um, up at Ruakaka and then around New Zealand as they get stuck into the volleyball season. So looking forward to catching up with Shauna. Mitch Santner as well after uh, the Aces demolished ND yesterday, but Mitch Santner had a great game, so we'll catch up with him ahead of this ODI series in Australia. So big show. And it's great to be able to welcome back Tony Kemp. Atamanaho, Kare. Yeah, no, happy to be back. Um, yeah, quite Christmas for me, actually, Louis. I didn't, I didn't actually head down to Taranaki. I had a little bit of a drama up here, so I stayed up here and enjoyed the quietness of Auckland when everyone headed out. So, um, yeah, mate, another year. Gee, I noticed you didn't. He didn't just get back in touch with the old radio partner to say, well, mate, we're still in Auckland, let's go for a pint. Yeah, my wife, mate, I was sending you a couple of couple of winners here and there. and mm. um, Yeah, no, good good time of year. Uh, watch the races, you know, sit sit back, have a couple of couple of bevies by the barbecue and and just take, um, I guess, take stock of the, the, the year gone and, what, and what's coming up this year. So, um, yeah, it's kicked off already. Everyone's back, the traffic's back. You know, people are back back to work, and I, I guess next week it's it's back into the full swing of things. So, um, off to Wellington this weekend to go to Trentham. To uh, our horse was running Cinerama, but uh, she's been given a rest with a little bit of a. I think she pulled up a little bit sore yesterday, so um, she's actually not in the big race, um, which is unfortunate. But there's some real good racing down there this weekend as well. Yeah, so uh, she was going to run on the Trentham Stakes, was she over the twenty one hundred? Well, she would have lapped up. Absolutely loved the distance. Yeah, well, she just having a bit of um, gate trouble. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'd, I'd, a little bit. I'd say a lot of gate trouble. She just um, doesn't. She just refuses to jump with the rest of them. Oh, and just puts herself, doesn't put herself in the race. But the last race really flew home for fourth and, and uh, you know, ran a, ran a real good sectional. So well, we were quite confident that she would go into that race. Ellen was real happy with the way that she was shaping up. But unfortunately, that's racing, you know, didn't, didn't make it through the week and, um, still going down, but um, you know, just got that news uh, late last night. So, still going down. You know, some good racing on down there. Um, catching up with the boys. Hey, Telegraph um, Day. That's a. It's a. You yeah. go for a group one day on, on the Champagne Turf. We just need to make sure that the turf is Champagne quality. Well, so we'll talk to. That's right. You got Mr. Sherrick on the phone. So let's see if he's got the right tickets for us. Yeah, that's right. Well, we have to inquire because yeah, you nearly were an owner down here, and there'll be lots of owners turning up on track, and they won't want the same situation as Captain Cook Steaks Day. And look, I'm pretty certain we won't get it because I think the uh, industry or that part of the country got a bit of a scare with how angry that made people last time. So yeah, Telegraph Day down there at Trentham. So you're still heading down a little bit of a blowout. See, so you didn't get down. So you didn't get around the the mountain. With no, I didn't. I didn't get down actually to see the boys and and do the annual trip. Um, you know, there's there's thirty years of it. So then you don't you're not missed if you missed one. Put it that way. Yeah. Um, and you do get to see them a number of times during the year. But uh, the, the other 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 part of that is you didn't you know 
getting down for the trips one thing, but also you you see all your friends and your and your family too. So a little bit disappointed that I haven't haven't been down there yet, but there'll be plenty of times this year. Hopefully, we the borders stay open a, a lot longer than they um, than they have been, and we you know do get a couple of trips down there. Man, totally agree. I haven't I haven't got quite out of Auckland just yet for a, an extended period of time. I'm kind of bottling it up for the end of February and starting to get a little bit nervous that it's been a bit quiet on the old Omnicron front in, in uh, New Zealand. It can't be too far, can it? No, it's, it's, I read, this is a real good time of the year for me because you're starting to, to see the teams take shape in the NRL and you're you're looking at the form and one of the big um, stories before Christmas was how many how many teams and players were locking their players down because of the COVID transmission. Um, been doing some work with Joey Johns, as you know. We we spoke to Joey before Christmas and um, his willingness to coach Samoa. Um, we've put some plans together that we want to put towards the Samoan executive to try and get Joey and Maddie and Sonny Bull as the coaches for the Samoan team in the World Cup this year. Um, and and just so happened that Joey had COVID, mate. As when we're speak, speaking to him, so if you listen to that interview, and he sounds a little bit under the under the weather, well, he actually was. He said, "Mate, I've got COVID. I'm, I'm, you know, haven't haven't been um, given the the hundred hundred percent pass from that I've that I've got it." But you know, the couple of days after that interview, he said, "Mate, I've got it. I'm in bed. I'm crook as a dog." So not only not only that, but Newcastle had a few players and and a few other you know, Penrith, I think, went through it as well. And wow. The problem that the problem that we got with this this new strain coming down is that if it goes through something like the NRL, um, it can e- it could easily shut down the competition, and that's the real worry going forward. Yeah, well, I wonder how close uh, the NRL are watching what's going on with the A League and um, the NBL at the moment, because scheduling has been the real issue. It becomes a mess. Because then you get some teams that have got five games up their sleeve on sleeve on other teams, um, and it becomes a real night, nightmare to work out. And you're right, it runs through them. But they, uh, the other leagues, and I think just Australia and the world in general are forging on. That's the mentality, forge on. So is there the player depth in the NRL that you can bring through 10, 15 if you need players? Look at the Big Bash. The Melbourne Stars, one, one game, had 12 players out with COVID. And in a game of eleven aside, so you know, like, could the NRL survive that? With the, 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 the difference between the difference between cricket and rugby league is that uh, it's the ball getting batted by the bat. It's, it's not the the person getting batted by another person. And the it's a really good question. The the answer to your question around is there the, any depth? Well, no, there isn't. There simply isn't. If you look at the competition, the top four are, are daylight. Uh, there's daylight between them and the bottom 12 teams. You know what I mean? So when you start to take players out, especially out of those bottom 12 Mate, teams... It'll be 60, 70, 80... And, and, and that's the issue. The issue is is that you're going to get blowout, blowout scores and, and, you know, the, NR, the NRL will be, I guess, trying to mitigate that risk of, of keeping the virus out of... Um, out of the camps, out of the camps of the team, so that they can keep their best teams ship, on the pitch. Ship, ship sailed, right? Unless they, unless they quarantine, unless they hubbed these guys and put them all together up in some. Oh, well, yeah, personally, Louis, I, th- I actually think that people are taking a real. Um, I think the NRL have been proactive, but I think you can take a, a, a more proactive approach to it and actually lock it down. You know, like. V- v- 
as it just so happens that my partner's a doctor, so we're talking about the virus all the time. And she, you know what she's saying is that a virus generally takes five years to run. You know, and and what are we going into our third year with this COVID thing? Like in the context of the competition, like two more years of lockdown if we have to to save the competition isn't that big a sacrifice to pay um, and forget about like set the, set the standards you know you know what I mean like set the bar and make sure that everyone adheres to it or, and if you don't want to adhere to it just we'll go and play somewhere else but keep the competition safe yeah look it's yeah I hear you. it's hard to know whether if a city is so say Sydney City doesn't doesn't lock itself down or Brizzy or whatever, they don't. I mean, there's some restrictions at the moment. Well, you can't. You, you not, can't travel between no between cities. That, that's the biggest problem in the in the states, the Australian states. You got Victoria, New South Wales, and Brisbane. They're the, they're the three um, Queensland. They're the three states that we play rugby league in. Um, so Auckland have moved obviously over to Redcliffe. They've they've, they've set themselves up there. Um, actually, they're not at Redcliffe this year. They're somewhere else because the Dolphins have got back in the competition. Um, but you've got these three three federal states have different different rules in and around their virus and how how people are um, being locked down. So what what I think they need to do is just settle on a state, mm. which you know like like they did last year, but just just contain it. It is brutal. But then you so then you start talking. And this is you're at the third year out of if it is five or whatever. But it's the third year, and then you start talking about player and you know. Um, player welfare and, and a lot of these guys have missed their daughters and sons' births and they've been away and yeah, they get the summer with them but the commitment, the serious commitment and I know from, from our lens we're looking at it like, a, you know, the Warriors, the Warriors have done this without but just because the Warriors are doing it doesn't make it right for the other teams to have to sacrifice as well. I'm not really too sure. Well, it's, I think I think when you look at it on the, on the biggest scale the NRL and the way, way or whether it's going to be played has a ripple effect on down through the community. All right, so we've got kids watching it that want to play community football mm. and have this aspiration to play in the NRL, and and it goes into clubs and and so on and so on, and the and the beast rolls on. The problem with it is if they shut down the NRL, they shut down rugby league. Mm. But but the reality is if, if they shut if it, the virus spreads, we shut down community football anyway. Now, at the moment, rugby league in this country is working out their, their COVID system on, on when, to, when and how they should play football for the year. It's just about to kick off. It kicks off in Waitangi weekend around most of the country. So I think you're being proactive is that you set, you know, you set the, the standard and then you'd look at the competition and say, well, if we've, you know, you're saying, well, what happens when you bring them into a community and they've got to be in there for 26 rounds and there's this mental health space that you've got to look after and your families and so forth. Well, change it. You know what I mean. So change the structure of the competition to suit the the current um, landscape. Well, the the current issue, which mm. is which is you know this this virus, which is over the next two years. Competition should change. I think competition should shorten. Um, we shouldn't be you know there should be breaks in the in the competition so that you can, you've got your 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 origin weekend you've got your international window shorten the competition window and give people breaks so they can they can spend time with their families in camp at a pinch how many games of NRL could you play through a through a let's say a, te- <laughs> a, a two week period this is like well I know how many games you can play in two weeks because we used to do it yeah and you what know, is so it? you play you can play well we played Monday 
in England, you can play Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday for two weeks in a row. So that that was in the old days. Um, this is the this is the argument around. You know, I see it on the internet all the time. You know, like the the Super Rugby or whatever they call it, Aotearoa Rugby. Um, oh, it's just too hard on the rugby players. You know, putting all these players up against the other. I'm like, man, you know, actually, people want to see the best players play against each other. And if you can't handle one game a week, then go and play soccer. You know, and the and the the it's not that you want to. My argument is that you don't want to play a game um, and double up on games, which is what will happen if the virus kicks in and they've got to have play catch-up games. What I'm saying is shorten the competition and shorten the windows so that you've got breaks in the windows mm. so that, you, that you're looking after the health of people. That's, that's where the big, the big questions will come in. I'm pretty sure I know what's going to happen, and I don't think they're going to do that. I don't think they'll hub the players again. Well, they won't do it I because it's th- all about money. It's about media rights, and it's about money and, the, and, and so what how I much think, they can bring in. And so what I think we'll, we'll see happen is what we've seen with other sports, which is in the NBA we've had more G League players through halfway through the season than – in one season than we ever have before. So there are going to be, if I'm a pretty handy first club NRL player in Sydney or Brisbane at the moment, I'm getting myself in serious nick. I'm putting myself in the exact position that I will, knowing that I will probably be getting a call up into a wider squad, if not onto an, into an NRL game. And I think the scouting for these, the smart clubs would have already started it. They are going to have a backlog of players to churn through. There's no way that the, uh, COVID. When does the NRL season start? In March, February? At the at the back end of February, early March, the season starts. The trials start at the at the back end of January. There's there's no way that in uh, six to eight weeks time we don't still have COVID in the community in Australia. They can't get rid of it. Not Omicron that fast. It will have peaked by then, but as far as I can tell, anyway. Not only epidemiologists, and, and, you're, and you're right. They will they will call on players. The problem that you got is that you've got a pretty average product. Yeah, but they, they, what they don't care is they're still paying the bills. The, the games are still on TV. They don't actually care what the if the fact... I guess a lot of the time I, I kind of wonder if leagues and sports and commissions and commissioners actually, they almost, they just kind of write off a fan as a fan. Oh, they don't really know. They, no. they like You know, it's almost like... Sometimes I've felt, I've felt that, oh... They don't actually get the nuance of the game. It's all right. Just give them whatever and they'll watch it. And well, it's- I'll tell you what, I, I, and I'll, I'll give you an analogy of that. Um, you've got to pay the fan respect because the CEO is a fan. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, I do know what you mean. So when you, when you say, I've seen so many people go into football clubs as a professional that have no idea about rugby league and all of a sudden become a professional overnight. And really they're just a fan. They don't. They haven't spent their life in the in the game of football. They, they, they are. Um, I, I guess they're influenced by the people that surround them, and sometimes that influence can be actually worse for them, and they're better off being a fan than being influenced by the people that they put themselves around. So you're dead right. You know, you've got to take. Uh, I think there's there's a lot of smart like you, like yourself that people that watch the game they actually know a lot about the game and that should be heard and you can't treat them like oh they're just a fan that want to turn the TV on like I remember coming back to New Zealand in the early two thousands I went down to Canterbury and it was a trial I think it was a trial match we played down there and I walked into one of the pubs down there now when I left to go to Aussie to play if you walked in a pub and a, and a Super Fifteen game was on or, or any district football game mm. a provincial rugby game was mm. on the pub would be quiet. 
and everyone would be eyes would be glued, glued to the telly. I remember walking in a pub down in Canterbury of all places, and and Crusaders were massive back then, and no one was watching the, the Crusaders play. No one was actually looking at the TV watching them. You know what I mean? And my, the the problem that you got if your product is terrible, people ain't going to watch it. That's the problem they got. Now, if you haven't got the talent, everyone knows that you haven't got the talent in the NRL to go to go. Well, it's a gamble. Deeper. It's a gamble, it, mate. It is, and I think there's what I'm what I'm trying to trying to say is there's easier ways to skin a, to skin this to fill it this fish, and it should be like think about the competition structure and the length of this issue. Mm. Shut it all down. Say put it in a safe environment. It's for another two years. Don't hate it, Kempi. Double eight, double three, oh eight hundred, one five zero, eight eleven. Any league fans out there? NRL fans? Because there's a thousand league fans out there. Thousands, mate. Yeah, <laughs> they're listening as well. They're up early because they're hardworking Kiwi citizens. That's right. They're on the front lines. Uh, what are you expecting from this NRL season? Are you kind of bracing yourself that this might be a bit of a hard watch at times? Or do you think they'll figure it out and uh, they might skin or fillet this fish a little bit differently? 22 minutes past six, back in a second. Here with Chemist Warehouse, great savings every day. Yes, indeed, we are 27 and a half minutes past six o'clock. Kempi, you're a massive crick- uh, cricket. You're a, you're a bit cricket. I can't, I can't wait to watch the, watch the next test. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if there's one thing you love more than cricket, it's uh, entitled tennis players. Oh, don't get me started on that. I'm just you. You, know, you better be loving this Novak I, story. Well, I was I was watching it and I was thinking, no, nah, they they can't let him play. Like one, he's unvaxxed, and and two, he like when the story came out that he actually tested positive and then went out and partied with all those you know with all those kids around and stuff like that. I went well. So the story's changed. So oh, so it's not that anymore. Nah. Of course it's not that. So he's, he's done this big apology on Instagram. That's where you do your apologies. Oh, you'd know that because you're a league fan. Yeah. So you're well averse <laughs> with an apology on Instagram. Um, no, it turns out he actually only, when he, the thing he, the only thing he did when he tested positive was go to an interview with L'Equip, the, uh, L'Equip, the French magazine. So he sat across from a journalist and did an interview because he didn't want to cancel the interview, so he felt like he had to do it. I just love to see a tennis player with so much respect for the media industry. It's just so it's so heartwarming. He's so just such just a good it, guy. Let's just give it to Louis. He's let's just, just pass it on to Louis. He's just such a good guy. I mean, what what right now, all I can think about is the Australian – all I can think of is the Australian government must be crossing their T's and dotting their I's. Otherwise, they would have turfed them by now. Yeah, look, I think the court. I think the court action was the like that was a surprise to me. I'll, I'll take you to court, and then it comes out that he's won the won the right to stay in the country, and then they've gone. Well, someone needs to step up here and kick him out. Type thing, and they can. Yeah, but I guess what they're looking at now, well, the court's already ruled ruled one way. What do they want to set a? It's a precedent, isn't it? Well, it kind of is. I mean, the the court, him winning in court was more about the procedure, and and there was a couple of faults that were at wrong at the border and, and it, they picked that apart but also now what's being picked apart is that he filled out his declaration form incorrectly he had travelled to Spain there's so many loopholes so the only thing I'm wondering is the Aussie government they're just trying to be they're trying to do this in a way that's going to cause the least headaches moving forward but right now the longer it goes on the messier it gets Mitch yesterday said that uh, he, he was reading online that he walked into the Rod Laver Arena and there was just a bunch of staff around some other players and he walks in and it just goes pin drop quiet. And everyone walked out. 
<laughs> I mean, the, the bloke's, first of all, he's unvaxxed, so you don't really want to That's exactly be, right. You know, like, you don't really want to be around him. And then second of all, he's just kind of dragging tennis, and it's, whether it's his entirely all his fault, it's kind of besides the point. Well, the thing, the thing too is that it's Australia, and they'll, they'll, he'll have that many followers behind him too in Australia at the moment. We saw that just before Christmas, the amount of riots that were going over there with the unvaxxed walking around the streets and how how nasty that whole scene got. So he'd be some type of pin-up boy in Australia at the moment, getting through the borders, you know, basically giving the fingers to the government and saying, I'm playing tennis, so I don't, don't really care about what your rules are. Uh, to me, it looks like it's, you know, entitlement. You know what I mean? Oh. Like, again, you know, you're just seeing someone in a position make the most of that position and and the rest of us sit here and go, well, well, mate, what about, who was I, I was talking to a mate yesterday who's a triathlon, Ross Lockie, he's a, he, I think he's a New Zealand's best over 50, He's a, he looks about his 104, Ross. Weathered. I hope he's listening. Um, <laughs> but talking to me, he's talking to he had a couple of mates that were, um, they were meant to come home in June last year and they ended up getting stuck in, stuck in Australia, they couldn't get an MIQ spot and they got back on, I think it was the 24th of December. Um, to spend time, so six months away. But how do those people feel? Like, and I'm just those are sports people. But how do those people feel who can't get into their country? You know what I mean? Who can't get home? Like wow. you, you read about it every day in the paper. Families that can't get can't get home. And here's a guy that gets flown into Australia. Um, yeah, he has to spend a night at the airport. Bam, unlucky, mate. You know, you probably spend it in the in the CEO suite on his couch. Um, but then just. Gives the finger to the rules, and everyone else is sitting. I tell you, those people be sitting there going, well, so "What makes them so special?" So that's the dangerous precedent. That's the actual precedent. So that's look, exactly right. So it, it'll be uh, very interesting to see. Oh, we haven't. <laughs> we've got some texts coming through already. Cheeky listeners at this time of the morning. Twenty-eight minutes to seven. We're going to get some news here. Then we're going to come back. And we're going to talk racing because Kempi loves his racing. Twenty-eight minutes to seven o'clock. Here's the news with Kubota. Together we are shaping and building New Zealand. SCNZ Summer Breakfast. Louis Herman Watt joined by Tony Kemp back in studio today. He's back for more. Can't keep him out. Quizzy Dag isn't far away, and the quiz is there today. I've laid eyes on it. I've seen the quiz after Nepia tried to derail the show in the first hour yesterday. We've uh, we've got it sorted. Legend name. Ne- Lots of money with that name. Yeah. Nepia. Yeah. He walks around. Be he loves that walking down onto his marae with a name like that. <laughs> the big Conor McGregor stance. The prince of where are you from? Gore. <laughs> <laughs> Matoda. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Cardigan Bay and Nepia. Um, right, but right now it's all about love racing. Love racing dot nz, and they're running this. They're still running this thoroughbred owners competition. We were talking about it before Christmas, Kempi. Share the thrill of an ownership with your mates. Enter at loveracing.nz and share the thrill for the chance to win a 10% share in a racehorse. T's and C's apply. Get amongst that, loveracing.nz. Well, we got racing at Otaki today. Uh, before that, I probably should just have a little bit of a, a humble brag. Should I, did anyone take my multi that I suggested? Highborn yesterday, after missing away, was superb. And then uh, Cerebus for Marshy. So I know Mitch McLennigan got a little piece of that. 
Easy, easy work. Today at Otaki, it's always a little bit tougher for me down in the central districts, slightly less plugged in. What I always say, though, is watch for the market movers. So, Kempi, that exact race you've pulled up there, go to the top of the book. Have a look at this one for Buddy Lammas. Maratiri Master for Parksy and Buddy Lammas. 26s into 17s. Always interested interested when you get a big market move like this from the CD. But the race, the horse I'm actually looking for here in race number five, and usually a market move is an indication either way when it's from the uh, Alan Sharrick barn. Ideal. Now, there's a, here's a, a, a little bit of an anomaly, but I reckon there's a good story here. And you might be able to help us tell the story a wee bit, Kimpy. Ideal here, Hazel Chauffeur's going to do the riding for Alan Sharrick. It's a Savabil mare on debut, so they've taken their time here. Four-year-old mare, out of I do, is the key. I do, when I saw this name and in the Waikato stud colours, I thought, that's interesting. Al doesn't usually train too many out of his colours. And then I thought, I do. It went back and had a look at I do. Now, this was a very, very good mare for Waikato Stud, and I think Al had a, um, a share in it or a, a good ownership stake in it. That one group ones that won the, what is now the, um, um, ta, not the Livermore, gee. Tanzino? Yeah, Tarzino. Yeah, yep. it's now the Tarzino. Back won then the it was McPhee. the McPhee Challenge. Mm. Uh, it won another, I think, another Wait for Age uh, Phillies and Mares group one. Very, very good, good galloper. And this looks like a beautifully bred mare. Yeah, what's well, a Severbill? Jesus, uh, you, you'd, you'd think that um, just having that on your on your line would be good. But out I do, and, and a great story. Like good, good friends with Mark Chittit, um Alan. He he's uh, got high praise of. Uh, Waikato stud and and the relationships that they have and I do um, I don't know the exact story but I do remember at the time that um, Mark's wife uh, was pretty sick at the time and uh, I do's final race before she passed over uh, was the Mac I think it was the Mac fee that she had won it was just a, a really good story um, in and around the mare and and the way that it won that race so um, yeah, it's a really surprise because he's been really quiet, Alan, on Ideal. Uh, he's obviously, like you see, it's a four-year-old. He's taking his time to get it to the races. But uh, knowing these two, I think, mate, in that race, race five today, I think if you have a little tipple on that, it's actually at good odds at the moment at three three twenty fix. So um, got Hazel on it. She's, you know, as you know, going all right this year. And, and the breeding for me, you know, just watch it, just watch it. Yeah, watch it. Watch it with interest because it'll be able to gallop. It'll be stylish. A Savabil and Savabil, I do cross. I don't know if I do had any Savabils that have gone around any siblings before. Um, it's a good race. This actually, Princess Biddy in the BGP colours goes around for Chrissy Bambury, um, and that can gallop. Still looking for a win. It's a maiden race. I think this is exciting. It's a good day down there at Otaki. I know Al's got a couple of other ones in and around, but as I always say, just watch the market movers. This weekend, yesterday we had markets open up for this weekend's racing at Trentham. Oh, yeah, the Telegraph, the Group 1 Telegraph. What a race this is going to be. And when you have a look and you see Tavi Mack at the top of the book, 17s and $3.20, I just want to know whether we're going to get the best out of Frodo. Can he, can he turn it around? He's been a little bit muddling his form this prep. I'd just love to know whether we can get the best out of Frodo one more time. On trivia, obviously, $1.50. I mean, 
it's unbackable, but it's going to win with McNabb. That's on. 50%. Of course, it's backable. Yeah, I've I stopped Zaki. That's the money. I that's, Zaki, the, that's, the, that's the money race. Kimpy, I stopped Zaki. <laughs> yeah. I stopped Zaki. Is I that declared right? Zaki un, unbeatable in the the might and power. We're probably a one, and I stopped him. Oh, that, I was actually on that race too. I was on Zaki that day. Thanks, thanks, Louis. So, <laughs> I now am very weary. Whenever we have to talk about it on trivia, that that uh, railway. On Trivier Levante, it looked like we were going to get the match race at the top of the straight, but what we just saw is that On Trivier is just a slight touch more professional. She changed legs faster and was just gone by the time Levante could balance up. Two extremely good sprinting mares, though. Yeah, look, and uh, was it going the other way this Saturday too? I think so. Um, that's the that's the question for me whether that not it can balance out. But On Trivier is a a very very good horse. I I can't see On Trivier Levante. Not running one and two, I, I guess the the um, the bet for me is a straight trifecta. Whether or not you put um, Tavi Mack or Packing Rockstar in there, because I think those two run th- run third um, to Levante and on Trevier on the on the on their last race. Sam, their last race. Sammy Williams at Little Avondale starts thinking. Oh, I don't know. Mitch McLennigan was going pretty good earlier in the week. He's, he's thinking, dear Kempy, rock and horse. Good mare, good mare, and some nice colours. Anyway, I'm not saying that they're not good, good horses. I'm just saying that they can't run one, two, or three. <laughs> Eighteen from seven. Oh, eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. Quizzy Dag, the Kemp Master, the Quiz Master. He's back. Come on, take us on. It's Quizzy Dag with Ashley and Martin. Regrow your hair. Search Ashley and Martin today. You know what time it is, it's Quizzy Dag. A quiz that keeps on giving like I skip a bass. Louie, Trudy, cares and Joe not wants to brag. But good luck to our quizzies, cause the ain't in the bag. Oh, 800-150-811, now give it a go. All right, Quizzy Dag time, and um, here's the tip. We're going to need more than seven callers on the line. Hundred <laughs> percent. I've shaken up the Izzy Dag um, ball bags in the questions, <laughs> and guess what? They've fallen. They've fallen down in the hardest order, and I'd be very surprised. Oh, if... ball bags like Lotto. Oh, exactly. What are you thinking? Jeez, but... Just come on, man. Keep it above board here. I'm just think. I'm just thinking here. We're going to Harry Potter for the first question, so I hope I hope our, I hope our I hope our callers have been to Hogwarts because if they JK get this Rowling. first one, if they get this first one, I'll be I'll be I'll, I'll eat my I'll eat my words. I'll eat the ball bags. Let's go, let's go to let's go to let's go to Richie. Let's go to Richie. How you going, Richie? Your first start. Yeah, good stuff, Kimpy. Hey, mate. In the fictional sport Quidditch, what position does Harry Potter play? Rhymes with. Ro- Ah, <laughs> oh! <laughs> oh, you're a Harry Potter fan, what? mate. There you go. Yeah, no, how did you know that, Rich? I'm going to have that. I'll have that with some. Uh, oh, I don't know what sort of sauce. I'll dip that one in. <laughs> <laughs> the Let's movies go. are on channel two at the moment, though. Oh, nice, 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 that's right. Hey, uh, let's go to the second question. What was the score in 2011 Rugby World Cup opening match between Tonga and New Zealand? The score. The score. Like, mate, lot, it's Lotto. Uh, 34 7. Close. 
Not not bad, actually, Richie. He's gone. <laughs> it's a, a, I'll just give a clue out. It's above 34 and just above 7, okay? So let's go to Jordan. Uh, Tim, sorry. Tim, you there? Yeah, mate. How you doing? How you going, man? Hey, what was the score of the 2011 Rugby World Cup opening match between Tonga and New Zealand? Um, I saw that was 45-12. Ooh. Close. That should have given everyone enough time to get on the internet and, and scroll that through. What was the score? Uh, Jordan? <laughs> you there, mate, Jordan? Uh, of the yeah, two, yeah. 2011 Rugby World Cup opening match between Tonga and New Zealand. Uh, 41-10. You got it. You got it. These quick fingers. Uh, this is uh, this is probably the easiest one. I thought there was a new Kiwi sign into the UFC. Um, debuting at 271 before the Adesanya fight. The fighter's name is the same as Leonard, Leonardo DiCaprio, Louis uh, Twin. Old Leonard. Um, movie, what's his name? Uh, it's a movie that DiCaprio stars in, and he's smuggling things in actually, the inside it's got of goats. It's actually got a tie-in to one of our guests later on the show, Sean Apolli. Louis is going to get one for his wife. Leonardo DiCaprio, oh, uh, Garcia. Hey, I don't think I don't think he's Scarface. <laughs> Are you Leo? Let's go. We might get it. Let's head to Jordan. No, Callum. Oh, sorry, Callum. Bit slow on the computer here, mate. How you going? Yeah, pretty good. Is that Blood Diamond? You got yeah, it, brother. No, well done. Mate. Question four: Terry Crews. You know who Terry Crews is? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Was once signed as an NFL player. Which California team was he signed to? Only a couple. Uh, Rams. Good man. Oy, okay, is the Callum. Is mo- the money question? I hope you like playing ten pin bowling because I had no idea this is what it's this called. This is a tough quiz. Yeah, but I've caught a, a number of friends by it by the same turn. In ten pin bowling, what is the name for three consecutive strikes? Uh, you eat them at Christmas. Patrick is all I've tried. No. Simon, in 10-pin bowling, what is the name of three consecutive strikes? Is it a turkey? No. Oh, well done, brother. It definitely would be. That's not bad. That's not bad, Simon. Turkey, did you know the a Harry Potter question, Simo? Nah, no, no idea. <laughs> yeah, more of a Lord of the Rings man, eh? Yeah, you got, got us nah, off. Neither, really. <laughs> Yeah, so you just into your sport. All right, thank you, Simon. Appreciate that, mate. You got a $50 TAB bonus bet coming your way, which just load up on Kempi's tips. The tipster is back. Not happy with your hair loss. Make today your turning point. Search Ashley and Martin online. That was Quizzy Dag with Ashley and Martin. Um, you a Harry Potter fan, Kempi? Mate, I am. I actually just watched it. Uh, watched the whole series with my, my young daughter uh, just before Christmas. So she sat down. Uh, hadn't seen it and decided that it was time for her to watch it. So, yeah, no, I went back over it again. That's, that's the third time I've watched it. That's three kids you, I've watched you, it with. And you didn't? Yeah, right. Well, Did, mate, I, I, I'm sort of the – you could tell me what it was called today and tomorrow I'd forget it. Mm. You know, that's like, – it's like what I was talking about, Ross Lockie talking about this per- person in the over there, you know. <laughs> I just think – I just <laughs> – <laughs> Sorry about laughing there, but I just saw uh, one of the texts saying plum sauce goes nice with those bags. Okay. Hey, thanks, Pistol. <laughs> <laughs>
I'm, I'm quite, I quite like plum sauce too, just quietly. <laughs> well, actually, turkey, plum sauce, and some bullbacks. Is he? Every time I hear that song, that's all I can think about when Izzy sings it. Because he's got, he's got bag in there somewhere. He says something about bag, doesn't he? Yeah. Izzy yeah, Dag. Not once to brag. Um, I mean, what is his nickname? What is Izzy's nickname? Dagger. Oh, it would have been Bullbag if it was if he was in the Kiwi team. Seven, six and a half away from seven o'clock this morning. Gee, it's loose. It's loose. All right, back after this. Listening to SCNZ, uh, yesterday was Wednesday, which means markets are up for a Group 1 day at Trentham. This Saturday, Kempi's going to be on track. He's trying to tell me it's a favourite day, Kempi. Oh, well, I'm just looking at some of the some of the horses, mate. You know, I thought, um, I know we just had a quick look at Sherwood Forest there, but I thought in that, uh, in that race, what's that one? Race seven, the, the Trentham Stakes of Group Three. You've got some like hypnosis going around. Wasaki, you know, Alan's gearing for the Wellington Cup. Uh, maybe a bit short for them. Um, but House of Cardi, I thought, was unlucky on its last start. You know, you you like sure if I said a big race after missing the missing the jump on its last last start too. But I think uh, you know the divvies at two seventy. You know, they're putting House of Cardi there because they think they can get one. Good breeding out of She Sensational. Yeah. House of Cardia, Dids has been backing it up and backing it up, and definitely a wide open race though. Hunter Pence, after the last start win, nines and 250. Or we just watched Sherwood Forest, huge in the Taupo Cup, huge. And I'll always have a cheeky five each way on Skyfighter because I'm a bit sick like that. Plenty of good racing this weekend at Trentham. Bruce Sharrett, the Chief Operating Officer of New Zealand Thoroughbred Racing, he's coming up after 8 a.m. We're going to talk some UFC. We're going to talk some football in the next hour, though. SCNZ, some breakfast. Here's the news with Kubota. At Chemist Warehouse this Christmas, find David off hot water at 110 mil for just $34.99. Baz and Izzy, we might be at the beach, but the show goes on. It's the summer breakfast on SCNZ. SCNZ Summer Breakfast, back for another hour, back for another day, 13th of January 2022. Hope you and the whanau are well, wherever you are around Aotearoa. Plenty to be grateful for today, a lot of sport going on. Gee, the weather has been stonking. It has been so good. Played a game of touch last night down at Cornwall Park, and it was so dry, but I just I love it so much. So I went for that dive when you just shouldn't have. I've got grass burns up my whole left side, but I still love it. It's a good time to be alive, summer in New Zealand. We're all up and about here at SCNZ, and we've got a big hour for you. We're going to talk some football. We're going to talk some football because Chris Wood is on the move, maybe. Is he? We'll find out. He's gone for a uh, a fitness check with Newcastle United from Burnley. Newcastle, one of the more controversial franchises or sport uh, sports clubs in world football, actually in world sport, owned by uh, Saudi Arabia or thereabouts. Pretty pretty scary stuff when you start thinking about the wealth involved with Newcastle United. So, what does that mean for Chris Wood? We'll find out. 
in just a second with Chris War from The Athletic. Cole Shelton is a MMA reporter out of North America. We'll talk to him later in the air. Bruce Sharrick to talk the resumption of racing at Trentham this Saturday in The Telegraph. He's the Chief Operating Officer out of New Zealand Thoroughbred Racing. That's after 8 o'clock. Shauna Polly's a New Zealand volleyball player. She's a hard crack. We enjoyed catching up with her earlier in the year, so it'll be good to catch up with Shauna and see how she's getting on. And Mitchell Santner, well, he had a good day out yesterday down there playing for Northern Brave in the Ford Trophy. They didn't quite get the win, but Mitch Santner's in some good form, which really does mean and bode well for the Black Caps as they look to embark very shortly on their trip to Australia to play some ODI cricket without their test players. But Chris Wood has been one of our leading athletes on the world stage for a number of years now. Ten goals in three plus seasons in the Premier League for Burnley. He's a sought after striker and we know that now because for the last couple of days the rumour mill has been swirling about a potential move to Newcastle. How far that is down the track and how likely that is to happen let's find out right now. It's a pleasure to welcome in a very very astute footballing judge. Chris War is the Newcastle United reporter for The Athletic UK. Good evening to you Chris. How are you doing? Good evening. Yes, I'm very good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, we're doing good, man. We're we're on Chris Woodwatch down here, which no doubt you are up there. <laughs> yes, well, he is on he is on Tyneside. He's been on for his medical today, so uh, we're expecting confirmation either tonight or tomorrow. Uh, the deal looks like it's going to go ahead. This one's gone through uh, very very swiftly. Newcastle lost embarrassingly to Cambridge United, who are in the third tier at the weekend, and that sort of focused minds was the uh, was the message that I got in terms of the way that the, the, the board, the new owners, saw things. And so they pushed ahead to get some Premier League experience and brought in Chris Wood, having uh, activated his release clause. What, what about um, the fans? What's the feeling of having Chris Wood in the in the Newcastle side if that, if that does come um, through this afternoon? What are the fans thinking? It's, it's, a, it's a strange one because I, it's certainly not one of the most exciting names who's been linked since the, the, the takeover happened in October. So Newcastle have been taken over by a very wealthy uh, Saudi owner, the quote-unquote the richest club in the world. And so I think they've been linked, I mean, they've been linked with hundreds and hundreds of players. And Chris Wood wouldn't necessarily strike as, as the most exciting, but given the position they're in and given that Callum Wilson, who's the main striker and leading goal scorer, was injured uh, at the end of December and is out for at least another eight weeks, they desperately needed someone to play up front, certainly who they could get in before they play Watford. So Newcastle off second bottom of the Premier League, Watford a fourth bottom, and Newcastle host them this weekend. Newcastle struggled against Cambridge because they had so many opportunities but couldn't score. With Chris Wood, he comes in having scored double figures in each of the last four Premier League seasons. He's experienced. He will. He is seen as someone who can hopefully keep Newcastle up this season. But even if he can't, then if the worst was to happen, he could help hopefully bring them back up from the championship next season. So they see it, although a few eyebrows have been raised about the fact that it's £25 million, which seems a lot of money to activate that release clause, really Newcastle needed someone who they could get in immediately. And during the January window, that's never easy. Yeah, well, £25 million is probably dropping in the bucket at this stage, isn't it, Chris? So uh, a couple of things that you mentioned there I want to pick up on. If this goes ahead, say, in the next 24 hours or even 12 hours, he, he will be playing this weekend, you'd suspect. Yeah, so Newcastle will have to register him by midday UK time on Friday. Any new players have to be registered by then to be available for Newcastle's game at 3 o'clock on Saturday. They're very much pushing ahead to try and get him in. Eddie Howe, the head coach, his message 
after the game at Cambridge to, to the board was essentially, I want a striker and I want him to be in by next weekend. We, th- this is a huge opportunity for Newcastle to try and leapfrog one of the relegation rivals and get out there. They need someone, a central focal point. And so the fact that he's here on Tyneside Day means he's going to have at least one, possibly two days to train with his teammates ahead of that match. So it very wow. much looks like he will make his debut this weekend. It's pretty resilient. Um, Chris is is our Chris Wood. Is that one of the I guess the biggest assets that you're seeing is that you've got a a tough Kiwi that plays lots of lots of football. Um, just given the comment that you made that you possibly could be relegated this year. Yeah, I mean one of the one of the key attributes that I know Newcastle are looking for, and some one of the clubs that said to me is they want fighters, they want battlers, and obviously Chris Wood has been for, for several years at Burnley fighting towards the bottom of the league and helping them stay in the Premier League and basically uh, more than the sum of their parts of Burnley. That's what Burnley are. They, they, they are a team who all work together and push forward. And, and Newcastle have been looking for strong, positive characters. They've received very good character references about Chris Wood. Steve Nixon, who's Newcastle's head of recruitment, has recommended him uh, a lot of times previously to Newcastle, I think, before he joined Burnley when he was at Leeds. It was recommended, and then also in 2019, they also looked at him again. And finally, uh, it looks like he's got his man. Steve Nixon has, has been given more prominence in this transfer window, and so exactly the sort of profile Newcastle need for the short term is Chris Wood. Hey, with Chris War here, he's a Newcastle United reporter for the Athletic UK. He's right, you must have been busy over the last few months or the last half year, even year, Chris, to be honest, with this takeover looming and then as it happened. Uh, get, at the scale of it's hard for us to wrap our head around in New Zealand, but with Chris Wood involved, I mean, would he just essentially be a stopgap? Because surely the money that's going to be injected into Newcastle is going to find players way above Chris Wood's pay, pay grade into that striker or those forward positions. So how long would he be at the club if this goes ahead? Well, that, that, I mean, it's a hard question to answer because, yeah, in theory, the, the, the grand plans, Amanda Staveley, who's one of the co-owners, said on the, on the very first day that the, the takeover happened, that within five to ten years, Newcastle yeah. United want to win the Premier League. Yeah. Um, but obviously, the, the, what, what chimes and can sort of contrast with that is the reality is Newcastle United have won one game in all competitions all season. They are relegation-threatened at the moment. And I don't see Chris Wood as necessarily being a sort of long-term option for a start. He's 30 years of age, so he's not coming in as if he's the start of his career. But certainly between now and the end of the season, he's seen as a very important player. If they were to go down, he would be essential in trying to bring them back up. And my understanding is that there isn't a a relegation release clause in that case, and the the, the likelihood he would stay and help them come back up. If they were to survive, I still think he's seen as someone who would be in and around the squad for the next yeah, 18 months, possibly two years as Newcastle build, because there is an idea that a feeling that Newcastle want to build to a degree organically. They're going to put a lot of money into this, but also they also don't. They're not just going to run before they can walk. And so I think in that sense, Chris Wood is an astute sign. He's not a long-term option, but in the short to medium term, as Newcastle try and grow and try and establish themselves higher up in the Premier League, never mind in the upper echelons, then Chris Wood could play an important part of that. Chris, what's the motivation for Chris Wood here then? So he must either be getting paid more or he... I guess it's a bit of a gamble because if Newcastle stay up and he can help them stay up, I'm sure it'll be it'll be pretty exciting times to be involved with the club as more signings come on in the Premier League. But I doubt very much he would be that interested or... or I mean, he, he would be if he's getting paid well enough, but to go down, I know he loves his Premier League football and he loves what it means for him his, as a status and as a New Zealand athlete on the world stage. So... What are the financial incentives here, or is he just um, keen for a change, do you think? 
I think there's a, there's a few different elements to this. The financial element, I, my understanding is he is going to have an increased deal and also it's going to be a longer-term deal. He was in the final 18 months of his deal at Burnley, so in that sense, he's got a, a, some longer-term security there, even if longer-term maybe isn't going to be part of the project. He will still have a contract, and then he may be able to get a move on the back of that. Uh, the, the project that has been sold him, I think the idea that... that, that Look, I've mentioned the fact that Newcastle could go down because that's a reality, but, that, but everyone in and around the club are adamant that, that, that survival is the goal and that they believe that they will survive. And so Chris Wood has been brought in to play a key role in that. I also think that he, he was ready for a new challenge from conversations that I've had from people in and around him and people who know him well. It seems to be that he's been at Burnley and although he enjoyed his time there, it's four or five years of a similar sort of thing, battling against relegation. He's got the opportunity to come to Newcastle somewhere where he can play in front of 52,000 fans it's cliched but a very, very passionate support base here in a, in a, in a wonderful stadium and a, a wonderful club at the start of a, a new quote-unquote project for one of a better term so I think there's, there's a few different elements as to why he's been attracted to it yeah look I think he's a tr- he's attractive because he's a Kiwi and he is a, he's a graft <laughs> and he's a hard worker and, and I've been to Newcastle a number of times and um, that city itself um, it leans towards the type of player that Chris Woods is so wishing you guys all the best just off the beaten track Track here, Chris. I was a mad supporter of New- Newcastle when the days when Andy Cole used to score all those goals, and you had the great Alan Shearer up front. Um, but can you just enlighten me on? There, wasn't there a time when Alan Shearer, every time he did an interview, if you remember back in the day on Sky, he had to put words into the interview, and, he, and him and a number of other players at the time were playing this this game with the TV that no one had picked up on, and it took him weeks to find out. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, there was a sort of yeah internal joke with it within the dressing room whereby that they, they, they almost had bets with each other to how they could get. I can't remember what the specific words were, but they had to get words or different different phrases in the conversations as they did interviews and see if the interviewer could pick up on it or the, whether they could just get it through it seamlessly. So it was always it was always interesting because Alan Shearer was never the most exciting interview. So if you look back and in hindsight know that you can actually pick up on it quite easily, but at the time I don't think people necessarily did pick up on it. Have you done that to us today, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> I wish I'd so on advance. Uh, I should. I should have done. I should have had a special, a special few words to drop in there here and there. Maybe that should be your thing now. <laughs> Maybe that, that could be your thing. Hey, thanks, man. Appreciate your time. Pretty exciting stuff. Um, like, seriously, we love Chris Wood down here because he always turns up and plays for the All Whites when he can, and he tries so hard. So he'd be a great asset to Newcastle if it all gets signed off. So congratulations to the club, I say. Well, thank you very much, and yeah, fingers crossed it all works out. There you go. Chris War, he is the Athletic uh, Newcastle United reporter for the Athletic UK. Uh, he sounds like he's right in tune with the club, and that, to me, kind of sounds like it's probably, unless he's got some dodgy ankle or something, probably a done deal, Kempi. Done deal, yep. And I, th- I think he sort of let the cat out of the bag there. This is more of a, a rebuilding phase, and they've gone to build uh, depth and quality of player. And, and dur- durability of play, and that's what Chris Wood is. So, it, it, look, good signing going to that club. It, it, it'll do, I guess, his future no no harm whatsoever being at one of the better clubs and the, where, where money will be spent in the future. Yeah. Well, look, for Chris Wood, he, his pre- look, he's 30 now. He's not going to be in the Premier League in, until he's in his late 30s. Uh, he's not that sort of class. He is a very efficient and hard-working striker who scores a lot of goals. So, I guess... Where I was trying to get to with Chris there was, what's the incentive? I guess the incentive is for him to stay in the Premier League. I wonder if Chris Wood genuinely thinks he's got a better chance of staying in the Premier League with Newcastle than scrapping it out with Burnley. Because on the table, they are right there with Watford as well. 
And I guess he's looking at this opportunity. There's financial, there's obviously financial gain, but he genuinely believes the club's going in the right direction with their new, very wealthy owners. And hopefully, this can extend his Premier League career. I honestly think that would be probably the thing that matters most to him at this stage because the prestige of playing in the Premier League, like we've had a handful of guys throughout the years, but it is, it's different gravy, isn't it, Kenzie? Oh, light and day, light and day. And I, and I think, you know, he just touched on there. I think he is looking after his. I guess the the back end of his career, there would be a decent pay packet on the on the um, tag to the end of the steal if it goes through at midday today, like Chris was saying. So, mate, good on him. I, you know, you do when you're rebuilding clubs, you do look for players with durability and and know you know you won't be let down. You know yourself that you won't be let down by that player. Um, and Chris Wood is that type of player. So, you know, it's been big news here this week. I uh, hope it hope it all goes through, and and I wish him all the best. Yeah, he's not quite at the MLS stage of his career, let alone the A-League or the Phoenix. Although, gee, it would be good to see him down under one day before he's finished. I just, I love him because he's just such a parochial and patriotic Kiwi. He always turns up and he always gives it his all. Football fans. 100. Toon fans. Where are you? Newcastle. Newcastle fans. Joe from Puhoi. I know they got a Newcastle fan up there. Let us know. Chris Wood to your club. Does it excite you? Or conversely, Burnley fans. Yeah, a few of those names there, they would have given you a bit of a shock. You're probably, what, still in nappies when Alan Shearer and Andy Cole were scoring, scoring goals for Newcastle, were you? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, but I remember Alan Shearer. I mean, Alan Shearer is the all-time leading goal scorer in the Premier League, right? He's... That's, yeah, and, and and Chris was right too. He was pretty dry when he was giving interviews. <laughs> what sort of words was he throwing in? I, I, I actually thought it were words out of a song. Like, I just remember sitting there one day going, man, that sounds like those are, those are words out of a song. But it was a, a bunch, I remember at the time it came out when I was up in England and a, a bunch of players had got together and every time they'd got on, they basically said every time they they did an interview on Sky, they had to get a sentence of, of words and into the interview and it went on for weeks before anyone picked it up and then when they played it back and they told them what they were basically the players had said well these are what the words that we got in it was a hilarious absolute hilarious viewing so um, Andy Cole was a, was a prolific striker up there you remember Andy, Andy Cole he I think it was Dwight York that he formed that partnership with yeah. Manchester United um, when they went on that fantastic run with all those young blokes in there Beckham Skulls um, and the like so yeah, Newcastle, been up there a few times to play, because they've got a rugby league team up there too, you see, up on Tyneside. Um, so played up there. It was actually, you remember, you know, you know a couple of players. I gave uh, Ben Westwood, who played, and he's just retired actually, Ben Westwood. I gave him his debut up in Newcastle with, oh, him, wow. with another great called um, Gareth, what was Gareth's surname? Played for West Tigers. Jeez, uh, sorry, bit of bit of Alzheimer's there. <laughs> well, um, but I gave these two kids, like they were seventeen and eighteen, their debut up in Newcastle. Um, it's a funny story there. But is, is the league team just Newcastle United as well? Oh yeah, this, the, when it first went up there, like like most things, like the London Broncos in Newcastle, it's just full of Australians. Uh, you know, they trying to trying to get into those areas to to grow the game. Um, but over the years, it sort of died off rugby league in Newcastle. Then it's come back, and they've been they've been battling away, and it's it's actually still played up there. So Newcastle, uh, really, what people know Newcastle, they're the Geordies, right? Geordie Shaw. That's exactly right. Yeah, it's just carnage. Well, it's on your way up to Scotland. Um, you're sort of in between Yorkshire, Yorkshire and Scotland. You know what I mean? So nobody knows what it they're is, saying. It is carnage. It is carnage up there. That's what I mean. The like tune. Yeah. 
Chris Wood would fit in up there. No, <laughs> no worries in the world. We so. want to keep we want to keep Chris Wood's nose clean, mate. We don't want Chris Wood getting into any sort of scandal because he's a champion. Um, great signing for the tune. Big target man, Carl like. <laughs> Away the lads, Lyndon. Don't mind that. That's pretty good. That's pretty good, Lyndon. And I like it when people write messages in the accents of the places. That's always a bonus point for me. On double eight, double three, or oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. That's the Kennard Tire phone line. Newcastle fans, Toon fans, Chris Wood, happy with it. Back after this on SCNZ Summer Breakfast. We're here with Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. You're listening to SCNZ here. We are 26 minutes past 7 o'clock this morning. Keep your messages coming in if you're a Newcastle fan or if you're a Premier League side. A Premier League fan, and, and where, where is your Premier League team? Are they near the relegation zone or are they right up the top and fighting it out? I've got Tony Kemp in studio with me. Uh, Kempy, have you been out there surfing much? No, nah, mate. I, look, I, I still have my knees... Still aren't right. I've been, you know, getting a bit of work done at the chiropractor at the moment, just putting my back back into place and um, bits and bits and pieces. But mate, Nina, the the weather patterns at the moment, the surf has been absolutely pumping on both coasts, and we've got another cyclone coming down from Fiji. Um, reading this morning that they're worried down in the mount that the, they might get the four meters on the east coast. So. Um, it was tracking towards Fiji. It was a bit of a bit of worry up there, but it's changed. You know, like they all do, the cyclones have got a got a mind like you, Bluey. You don't know what you're doing one day from the other, mm. and they change and they change shape. So you made plenty of waves out there. Heaps of waves. You know, I don't know if you were. I don't think you were. But yesterday, or well, yesterday you weren't. But previously, I spoke to Ben Kennings, CEO of Surfing New Zealand. They've got the uh, nationals going on at the moment, and That's they've right. taken the nationals back to. Uh, about 10 kilometres south of Westport, yep. Tauranga Bay down there. And it's the first time it's been there since 1997. And yesterday the men's, the open men's division got underway and the favourites got off to a flying start. So Billy Stearman got through. He's won eight, I think, eight national championships or national titles now. And it was, um, yeah, again, it was only 1.5 metres, but big enough. And it's like a piha break, a big left-hander down there in um, piha, South Piha. And they've been loving it down there and some really, really good surfing. I know there's been some pretty good, Crowds turning up and, and all sorts. So good to see some um, good participation. They had more than 320 entries for the event, which uh, through 29 divisions, 320 entries, for when you take a surfing competition like that to a pretty remote part of New Zealand, awesome. Awesome to see people getting behind it. Yeah, look, the surfing clubs around New Zealand have like, been around for donkey's years, you know what I mean? So I know that Taranaki's got a really good contingent down there at the moment. I've been following the the, the Nationals as you do every year. Um, and the the reason I like doing that is because I like watching seeing all the young young kids come through over the years into where they've got to. Um, so, you know, a great, it's a beautiful spot where they're surfing down there, you know, and just the way that they've got it all set up with the camper vans and, mm. you know, they're run, running a, a nice, decent show down there and, and like you like, like you just said, it's a it's a week away. Like it's a week away with all your mates and and going down to surf in, in some of the best spots around. Not only just having your surfing contests there, um, but in around that whole area, there's waves galore. So, you know, it'd be interesting. I think Billy Billy's a favourite to win it again. Has to be. Um, and it'd be interesting to see whether or not Paige can win the because she hasn't she hasn't been surfing on that tour for a long time and she's back this year. Whether or not she can take out the women's. Yeah, Ava Henderson going really, really well, the young girl out of Christchurch. Now, I don't – I'm wondering, 
I'm wondering whether surfing is a sleeping giant for in New Zealand as far as um, achievements. I know we're not necessarily like well, we're not we're not Australia we're not Hawaii in America uh, we're not Brazil we don't produce the amount of surfing athletes that the other countries do but I look at snow sports and you can say pretty much the same thing it's not like we don't have waves around New Zealand you can almost say the same thing for snow in this country yeah Coronet Peak and Cadrona and Treble Cone are good facilities and we have pretty nice we've got that big pipe down there at Cadrona but it's just different gravy to what Europe's snow is. It's completely different level, like Hawaii is to, say, Raglan. I know for years we've produced really, really good surfers. I just wonder if the overall... Um, I'm not trying to say that they're not pr- that surfing New Zealand hasn't been doing a good job or anything, because they have. Well, the, well, they might have been doing a good job recently, but they haven't. Like, you know, let's cut to the chase here. The... Surfing in New Zealand is the fastest growing sport. Like out of any sport, you go to any coast in New Zealand now, compared to twenty years ago, where you could go into a surf with with three or four of your mates, it's packed. You go out to Māori Bay now in West Auckland, Piha, on a good surf day, mates, dodging dodge cars. But you travel the length of the length of New Zealand, Ahipara, You surf there, Shipwreck Bay when it's waves on. Literally everywhere. They're, it's a car park on that beach. It's yeah. hard enough to get out to them yep. surfs out at Mookies and so on. But it's a car park out there. So what you have is you have surfers across the board from every run of Walk of, walk of life surfing but you haven't have got the the over the I guess the previous two decades the setup that the Australians have taken their performance levels to yeah you know what I mean because you don't you know, forget about Hawaii on your back doorstep you've got Australia got, and they've got a pyramid of waves like we have down here in New Zealand you know forest the waves but what they've done with their their high performance centres and their their athletes is they've taken them through pathways. Most of our athletes, if they want to succeed, have to go and jump in the Aussie system. It's really hard to get onto the the, the WSL, the W the the surfing yeah. league. And it probably will stay like that as far as Australia being the big brother. But I just think that it might be as, as far as performance and actually achievements a bit further abroad than New Zealand. I wonder if it's a bit of a sleeping. It's a bit of. A I reckon dormant. we've got a world champion, mate. I reckon we've got a real, I, I I reckon truly we've believe got a well. number one surfer here in New Zealand that can compete with John John Florence and the Kelly Slaters. I truly believe you know, that. the Mick Fannings and that, but we just haven't got the system. I truly believe that. And I think, you know, seeing these numbers, 320 entries for 29 divisions down there on the West Coast, that's really promising. And I just want to harness that and the vibe and the buzz about surfing and the Ava Hendersons and these young guys, the Elliots and, and the younger dudes. And, you know, Billy and Paige are going really good, but they are towards... I think they're in their early 30s or late 20s now. It's that young crop, and how do we harness them and give them support? It's 27 and a half minutes away from 8 o'clock. That's just a half-baked thought. But if you've got any queries about that, or you know much more about surfing in New Zealand, and you agree, is it a bit of a sleeping giant? And, and can we go to another level in the next decade? Double eight, double three, or 0800 811. Let's have a conversation about it. Right now it's the news with Treaty for Kubota. Together we're shaping and building New Zealand. SENZ Summer Breakfast, here we are, cruising along, 25 minutes away from 8, just wondering about surfing in New Zealand. It's a big day down there, uh, there's some awesome pictures if you want to go to Surfing New Zealand's website or to 
the Surfing New Zealand uh, Twitter page. It's just lovely conditions. Such a cool part of New Zealand. Rugged terrain and some nice juicy waves. Nothing huge, but long waves that you can really hack apart. Awesome to see. Is surfing a sleeping giant in New Zealand? We've just got coastline everywhere. Let me know what you think. And we can get stuck into that conversation 25 minutes away from eight. Hey, Kempi, the lads have found a bit of audio here uh, for you, actually. Yeah, I'm so I'm so excited. Yeah, we had some magic moments this season, and uh, it's just you know gets better and better. This stepping stone, if you like, it's a bit like a ghost town here. You know, it's, it's now or never. I mean, it's hardly Club Tropicana, Bob. It's uh, been raining all day. Yeah, we're all excited. We're not exactly uh, dancing on the ceiling, but we're keeping our feet on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> Take it was all they were all songs, songs mate. They were yeah, songs. Yeah, I got and that it was, right. It was the 1998 English team. It was the t- English team it that was, put that together. Yeah, and they um, with with Alan Shearer at the spearhead, <laughs> and they were all dropping in song titles <laughs> and lyrics into interviews they did during that tournament, which would have been Perfect. a World Cup, wouldn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, and then the great great team too, a great bunch of blokes in it. Share, I think Gascoigne was in that side as well. Um, <laughs> dancing, well, not mate, exactly I, dancing. I used to love him. He was my favourite player, Paul Gascoigne, back in the day when he was travelling over to Italy I, um, to play. I used to get up and watch that on a Saturday morning uh, before before I go down for captain's run. Um, but yeah, there was a Hoddle. I think Hoddle had the English team back then, right? And Shearer was up front. So yeah, I remember watching that, thinking like, you know, you as a as a footballer watching interviews, thinking. Mate, this sounds really familiar, what you're saying. <laughs> like, Just two, totally And then in. when it came out, it's like, ah, oh, yeah, you guys, they pulled, that was a great, that was a great Yeah, um, we're not exactly dancing on the ceiling. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, you're starting to get a bit wacky, yeah, yeah. aren't you? That's good, though. <laughs> very, very good. Uh, enjoy that. Thanks for finding that audio for us. Joey in the kitchen. Plenty to come, including some UFC. UFC in New Zealand, speaking of uh, sleeping giants, there was a sport that was a sleeping giant for a long time, well, mixed martial arts, um, and it's no longer a sleeping giant. It's a giant. It's dominant. We've got fighters that are constantly on the pay-per-views that are fighting um, either for titles or to get a shot at the title or pretty much, in Dan Hooker's case, putting people through the test to see if they deserve to fight through for the title. So we've got guys at different echelons. We've got up-and-coming fighters. And it's something that we've really beca- come to um, well accept a bit more as more of a mainstream sport. So up after this, Kempi, we're going to get stuck into a conversation because Kai Carter France has got a fight against Askar Askarov, which will be an eliminator for him to make a, a title eliminator. So the next fight after that, if he wins, will be a shot at the title. That's what he wanted next. Well, I think this is a pretty good compromise. We're talking a little bit about Israel Adesanya and this weekend's card as well. Let's do it. Let's talk some UFC up after this with Cole Shelton, a Canadian MMA writer. It is SCNZ's, SCNZ Summer Breakfast. Yeah, SENZ, and we're 16 minutes now away from 8 o'clock. Could New Zealand have two UFC champions? Could it happen? I tell you what, it will happen. When? I don't know. But we're going to have a chance because Kai Cutter France is putting himself in an undeniable spot. He's now been named, his next fight has been named against Askar Askarov, which will be a title eliminator, win this, and he will have a crack to join Israel Adesanya at the top echelon of the UFC and mixed martial arts. Cole Shelton is a fantastic MMA writer for BJPen.com. He's been good enough to take some time out of his afternoon or evening and join us now. G'day, Cole. 
Hey guys, thanks for having me on. No worries, man. Um, this is pretty exciting news for us. Kai Cutter France taking a next step. He wanted a crack at the title. His last uh, performance was pretty sensational, wasn't it? Yeah, that fight against Cody, I thought he was going to win. Like I've talked to Kai a whole bunch, and it just seemed like this was kind of that breakthrough fight for Kai. Like He's been a guy that's been on the cusp of title shots, lost to Moreno, then lost to Royville, kind of set him back, but knocking out Garbrandt on that big card with Garbrandt being the name he is, that just kind of catapulted him right up to the top again. And it kind of shows that we already make it a quick turnaround of fighting Askarov and presumably a title eliminator fight. He's tough, man. This, you know, you've spoken to him. He's tough and he wants it. He, he's about as driven as a fighter as there is, and they all want it, but you can tell that he really has a hunger for it, doesn't he? Yeah, and like the one thing I remember about Kai that sticks out is when he was going out to fight Roy Val on that Adesanya Costa card, is he was living at the gym at City Kickboxing for weeks on end just because with your guys' restrictions, like he couldn't leave the gym, so he made the gym home, so technically that's where he was living, but... He's someone that's always in the gym. Whenever I talk to people at City Kickbox, and they always bring up Kai and how much he's kind of helped everyone around the team. Do you think that other fighters aren't don't respect him? I mean, why is that? I mean, last fight that that bloke um, was it Cody? He was just acting like an absolute tool in the lead up. Like it's like he <laughs> Kai didn't even exist. Yeah, I think there is some of that too, Kai. Just because coming off the Ultimate Fighter, like everyone had these high expectations for him. He was considered this knockout artist. Obviously got off to just a lot of uh, decision wins, which kind of set him back a little bit, and especially the loss to Moreno, even though it was a very good fight. But even against Cody, I think Cody kind of expected to run through him and Kai not to be able to knock him out just because he had knocked out anyone other than uh, Bontarino in the fight before. But he has power. If he connects, like you're going to sleep. And I think that win over Cody kind of should get him a lot more respect from a lot of fans. Yeah, Cody definitely knows that he's got some um, some power there, Cole. Hey, do do the do you think that when Kai walks in, uh, especially to the the prelims, the face-offs and all that, and he pulls the the pukana and the haka out, do do which which is the Māori wall dance? Do you think that most of the people um, sitting there understand what he's what he's doing to the other person and trying to create that atmosphere around around where he comes from? I think it really depends on their opponent. Obviously, some people, I think, do know what that is and what that means and why he's doing it. I think with, like, Cody, I just think Cody was so oblivious to everything. He thought he was just going to go walk right through Kai, knock him out early and get his title shot. It really depends on the opponent. But it does, like, to me, like, even just watching it on this, like, it does pose, like, an, an intimidation factor where, like, you're not really expecting it. Here he is, like, right in your face screaming at you. Yeah, he loves it, doesn't he? And and that's, as Kempi says, trying to create that atmosphere. Hey, we've got this guy we don't know a lot about. I don't know, do you, have you heard of this dude, Blood Diamond? He's a, a new Kiwi fighter, and he's going to debut on the Arasanya Whitaker card. I don't know if you have you come across him at all, or have you heard of him? I've heard a, a lot about him. I'm excited to see him fight in the UFC. I think he got a very favorable matchup in Orion Cozy. Whenever I talk to anyone with City Kickboxing, Blood Diamond is the name they always brought up. At the beginning, I didn't know who he was, and I had to look up, like, who is Blood Diamond? Like, what kind of name Do you is know that his man? name? It's uh, Mike Mathothius. Yeah, that's... And then, I know he's been made training partners of Izzy for a long time, and Izzy, every interview, has hyped him up. Same with Brad Riddell. So, like, he has a lot of hype entering this fight, and I think if he gets a big win, I think you could see him get fast-tracked right to the top. 
Right. Blood though. It's a good name, make him be. That's an awesome it's an awesome name. And Izzy obviously fighting Whitaker, that's coming up as well. What what's the um what's the feel of that fight? Um, you know, the I watched that I watched that Whitaker Arizona fight there. I thought when he when he got him when Izzy uh got it got Whitaker, I thought Whitaker was not far off probably beating him to the punch. Was was that your thought on that too, Cole? Yeah, I actually thought the first time they fought, I actually thought Whitaker was going to win. I just thought it was a bit too early for Adesanya to get, especially after that Gaston fight and how much he got hit. And I thought Whitaker would be that guy to mix in his wrestling and striking, but he kind of proved me wrong. And I wouldn't be surprised if it goes the same way and Adesanya knocks him out again. He's just striking is so slick. But I think everything I've heard from Whitaker's camp is I think they're going to try to wrestle Adesanya. Yeah. They saw what Jan Blahovich did, and I think Roberts not going to really want to stand with him. I think he's going to try to wrestle him. But if Izzy can keep it standing, like I don't think anyone in middleweight can beat Adesanya in a striking fight. Yeah, it would be insane to try and outstrike him, wouldn't it? It would just make no sense. And and it, it'll be curious to see if Whitaker's big enough and how big he can get to try and labour him and, and like Jan did and really kind of slow him down and sit on him and lie on him. If Izzy did win this fight, though, and, and I think he will, what what's next for him? Like, he would have lapped the division, right? How, how What more? Will he try and try and do another division again or did he learn his lesson do you think i think right now there's still two more fights for him at middleweight and then he really cleared out because in the co-main event of that card is uh cannoneer Derek brunson the winner that's gonna fight izzy again i assume izzy wants it to be jared cannoneer he's talked about a cannoneer he thinks he's the dark horse of the division and that's the guy he wanted to fight he's already beat brunson so if brunson wins there's not a whole lot there especially how dominant it was and then after that i wouldn't I think it's Sean Strickland. If he beats Jack Hermanson, it would be a very fun fight. Sean Strickland is just a very good boxer, so it would be just a striking fight. He likes to talk trash in there, so the back and forth would be entertaining. But I think it's those two, and then Izzy just hopes there until he gets some wins because that's a guy he's called out for years now. Maybe you should just fight Jake Paul. Just become a become a billionaire. Just do it. Just <laughs> just sell, sell it. He would never. He would never do that. Cole, Cole, who's who's winning that battle between Jake Paul and Donna White? I think it's Jake Paul. I, <laughs> Jake Paul has said so many things, and all Dana White says is, you take steroids. But yeah. his past two fights have been steroid tested by the commissions. They came up clean. He's offered to go into USADA, which is the UFC steroid thing. And Dana White hasn't responded to any of the other stuff about fighter pay or um, like benefits and all that. All he t- talks about is Jake Paul getting steroids. And, I'm surprised Dana White even responded to him. Like, I think he lost right when he responded to him. He Bingo. couldn't pull him off and say, like, I don't even know who you are. Like, yeah. I'm promoting, like, the biggest uh, fight promotion in the world. But him responding to him, like, he stooped to his level, which I think makes Jake Paul winning. And, and what about the Mark Hunt um, decision? Is is there much talk in the in – because the, uh, I think what Jake Paul the, – the nail that he hit on the head was around the – the payment to to the athletes not getting paid paid right is that that's correct, Dave? But what about the Mark Hunt um, legal legal position against Dana White too? What sort of what what are the what what do you think is actually going on with the fighters? Are they are they supportive of Dana White? Yeah, it's so hit and miss. Like I've talked to fighters off the record, they've complained about their pay, but then you talk to the the problem is though is then you get guys like McGregor, O'Malley that are making all the money that are saying, oh, no, the pay is just fine because if they unionize, their pay probably goes down because they have to pay the lower fighters. 
So it's until one of these big names like Nganu, who's fighting next weekend and could on his last fight of the deal, or McGregor or John Jones, until one of them kind of step up, or even Adesanya, who's I've even heard that he's getting frustrated with the UFC and he only has, I think, two or three fights left until one of them kind of step up and say, hey, let's unionize and the pay isn't enough. I don't really think anything is going to happen. Yeah, the UFC, it's almost like it's just right. It's, I, I know I've listened to podcasts before where Dana White has spoken about the other kind of and Bellator and other um, incarnations of a rival company that have tried to take it down and they just ne- never seems to work. But then it's bizarre because the UFC business strategy and model kind of does seem flawed apart for everyone apart from Dana White and the UFC, which doesn't really bode well for long-term success. Cole, this has been great fun, man. You've got a lot of good information. We'll have to catch up again sometime. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me on. No dramas. There you go. Cole Shelton, he's all over it. And, um, yeah, that's interesting. Kempe makes some really good points there about the UFC and what they can do. Dana White, I think Cole hit the nail, bang, square, straight on the head. The second you reply to a TikToker, YouTuber, who's <laughs> calling you a cocaine head, the second you do that, you lose. Like, yeah. you are running the biggest company in the world. I, we've got to shoot off. But I thought that was crazy from Dana White. Like, don't even engage. Anyway, that's UFC. I hope you enjoyed that. Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. Who's going to be the next big star in the UFC? Can, could it be Blood Diamond? Does anybody know him? I'd love to know what this guy is. He kind of feels a bit mythical. It is six minutes to eight. Hey, you're listening to SCNZ um, with Joe and Neeps, actually, because the boys aren't here. G'day, good morning. We're missing uh, Louie and Tony, actually. They've just dipped away for a coffee, I think, by the sounds of it. Uh, yeah, Louie's just uh, calling me right now. I think he's stuck outside. Hey, uh, what do we co- got coming up, mate? We've got Bruce um, Sharrick. Yes, we sure do, mate. We've got heats coming up on the show inside of the next hour. Uh, coming up with Bruce Sherrick, of course, and we've got Sean Polly later in the hour from New Zealand Volleyball. Uh, that should be a great interview as well. That's coming up just before 9 o'clock. Sure. Here come the boys oh, the rolling boys into the studio in right now. They've got their coffee and the smile on their face. How good, how good. And after 9, we've got Mitchell Satner. All that to come. The boys are popping in. Hey, Louis, do you want to say anything, mate? No, no, you guys have got it sorted. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> You'll see you soon, Zed. Busy, we might be at the beach, but the show goes on. It's the summer breakfast on SENZ. SCNZ Summer Breakfast. Welcome back into the show. Three minutes past eight. Apologies, a little bit tardy. Coming back. Joe and Nepia in the kitchen as all good cooks are backing up. All good sous chefs looking after their head chefs. That's what you like to see here at SCNZ. Eight o'clock on the 13th of January. Maybe you're giving yourself a little easy start to 2022 and you're just getting up or getting into work now. Well, I hope your new year's going well so far. 2022 is a big year, plenty to come. Lots of sport we're going to cover off before the end of the show today. Mitchell Santner coming up after 9 o'clock. And Shauna Polly, we're going to talk some volleyball, which will be a lot of fun, talking volleyball with Shauna Polly. Polly, she's a great character. But this weekend, well, it's a a funny old weekend for racing because it's the Group 1 Telegraph, and it's the first time we'll be back at Trentham since... Well, only what you could describe as a 
fully-fledged debacle when Captain Cook Stakes Day were abandoned because the track wasn't safe to race on after a little bit of drizzle came down on a very, very firm track that hadn't been properly watered during the or irrigated during the week. So it's the first time we'll be back at Trentham. Uh, New Zealand Thoroughbred Racing Kempi, following on from that, had sent out a bunch of actions that they wanted to implement, and a lot of them were by the end of March 2022 or the end of January 2022 or the end of February 2022. So no doubt they would have been beavering away very busy over summer, summer an extremely busy period for racing and making sure that they are on track to figure out and to implement these actions that the board and uh, the management at New Zealand Thoroughbred Racing have deemed fit to action. So with that in mind and because you're here and... Oh, do you want to intro him? Who, the Philadelphia lawyer? Bruce Robert Sherrick. Chief Operating Officer of New Zealand Thoroughbred yeah, Racing. Please have some respect. Uh, Bruce <laughs> is on the line. Morning to you, Bruce. Good morning, Louis. And your, and your sidekick. <laughs> Kempe's been fizzing for this one, Bruce. Well, I can well imagine, mate. He's about as, use, he's about as useful as an ashtray on a motorbike, that fella. So, yeah, he's coming deep off a ballot list. That's all I can say. Oh, he's got two out already. I like that. You're, you've jumped out of the gates well. Looking at your um, your actions, Bruce, you're, you're a bit of a you know guy that likes to get the actions done. Just t- talk us through the policy that you've put in place um, after that Wellington um, debacle down there. Yeah, I think it's important to to go back and reflect on without going into detail and relitigating what happened. I mean, the fact of the matter is that there were a number of areas that uh, weren't up to scratch. And I think the overarching thing for racing in general is we're a high-performance sport and we need to be better in a lot of areas. What clearly happened at Trentham was uh, a number of failures, but a primary failure around, as you introed, Louis, around the irrigation levels and the, and the understanding of the, the turf um, below the top 20, 30 mil. And I've got to say, I, might, I may sound like I know what I'm talking about, but it's been a huge uh, crash course in understanding what was going on. Um, but we are where we are, and after the 4th of December, we commissioned a number of uh, reports from the affected parties, the RIB race, ourselves, and we had the New Zealand Turf Institute provide us an independent view. So, look, we then convened uh, a meeting with stakeholders um, which were jockeys, uh, trainers, RIB, club CEs and ourselves to see if we could strip back and have a look at the processes that are in place and whether or not they're, they're up to scratch. And, you know, I've got to admit they're not and that's what we're looking to fix. And fundamentally, it's a... Yep, go. I was going to say, a, a big part of the review, Bull, is is you're looking for a, a accountability. Is that, is that a fair comment? Yeah, well, accountability, yes, but we're looking to improve. I mean, at the end of the day, as I say, I think the thing that we need to understand, we're in a high-performance sport, and we've got to be, to use your word, accountable for the outcome of what we do, and we all play a part in that. Clearly, the clubs are producing a track. That's what they're uh, there to do. Clearly, we're there to govern the sport and ensure that the processes around uh, the sport are robust enough to minimise and mitigate this. The likes of the RIB are there to police it, and make sure that the checks and balances are in place and, and uh, ensure that the integrity of the sport is at the highest level. So collectively, we come together to produce uh, something decent. And uh, on this occasion, it let us down. 
Hey, Bruce, you said that this whole process was a, a learning experience for yourself and you've learned a lot probably about that soil underneath the top 20, but also about the whole processes. Do you think the people mm. that were right at the coalface of making these decisions and preparing the turf have also learned a lot, importantly? Yeah, well, I, look, not the track managers. It's their job. And, and you know, that's why they were in uh, the meeting on the 17th, because they are the people who understand this. That, that is their job. Um, but like anyone, every now and then you, you may drop a ball and, um, and and on this occasion that was part of the issue. So, yeah, look, I, I think there's a learning right across, uh, Louis. I think all stakeholders um, just to get a basic understanding of how it works. I mean, I think we all have to acknowledge that you'll never beat weather. At the end of the day, if it, if it plays against you, um, you know, you're going to have abandoned meetings. It's just a fact of the matter. But the reality is if we follow a process that's robust and we've done all we can to prepare a track, then that's in the lap of the gods. You know. But what we don't want to have happen um, again is something where we could have mitigated that risk. And, and I think the other part, as I say, right at the forefront of everything we do here has to be the welfare of the jockey and the horse. That's, that's paramount in everything we do. Yeah, absolutely, and I think oh, there's not too many people questioning that about New Zealand thoroughbred racing. I know certainly from my conversations and, and what I've seen behind the scenes as well as what uh, we publish and what we talk about, that, that that's not really in, in question for me, Bruce. But what of all the conversations you had with stakeholders, just a bit more of a wider lens around Trentham, did you get any sense or feeling that Trentham is not the most popular place in general? And, and did you get any feedback around that, especially from the some of the um, stables that might have to travel a little bit further about Trentham's use as a premier racetrack? Yeah, look, I mean, of course, when uh, things don't go right, uh, it is a long way away. I mean, and if we go back in history, Trentham was the hub mm. of racing in New Zealand. Yeah. It used to house the Trentham yearling sales. Uh, Trentham was just the champagne turf. It was everything about New Zealand racing, you know, and things have moved. The fact of the matter is it's still a very good race course, as I understand it. It's a beautiful race course to race on, but you're right, it is a fair distance from the horse population, um, and the reality is that there's a cost involved to get the horses there. Bruce, how do you change, how do you change that, that, I guess, that historical view when you've got something that is, you know, this is how it's been done and it's been done. I had the same conversation yesterday with a bloke about, you know, it's been done for 110, 111 years or whatever. How do you change the view going forward? Yeah, it's not easy. I mean, the reality is, you know, we as human beings uh, get set in our ways and we have a thought process and an understanding of the way in which we do everything in life. So you've got to unpackage that in a way. And in my view, my personal view, is it's built around data. You've got to give people sound reason as to why there needs to be a change in the way you approach things. So, you know, we, we have to produce data, and that's a large part of this, um, the actions going forward. It's produce a data set that really we take away the guesswork as best we can, um, and that it also takes away the uh, subjectivity of people saying, you know, I want it this way, I want it that way. The industry will agree, which they do already, that we produce a track that looks like X. And if the data built around it meets it, you know, for example, moisture levels. The fact is, for Trentham, and I know this because of it, moisture levels need to be between 30 and 40 percent. Now, if, that, if, if anybody wants a variance to that, they can't have it. The reality is, it's the job of the track person to deliver that track in that range. 
as one measure, but there's a host of measures. So if we if we tighten up on the data set and the process, fundamentally, we should mitigate the risk. So you've, you're talking high performance. You're talking, you know, all this data and what it looks, what it what it has looked like previously, and to sort of crystal ball that now in the future. What 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 does that look like to the, in the future? So, you know, Ellerslie is a new home of racing. Things are things are all happening up here in Auckland. You have got the the Caracas sales and so forth, and and around the country you have all these these other race courses that are running their meetings as well. What what does it look like, say, in 10, 20 years in Bruce Sherrick's eyes? Um, yeah, very good question. We're, we're deviating. We're deviating off the off the track issue. Uh, look, we're getting into where you're getting into there is is what we call the reshaping projects, and one of the large ones, and that is the venue rationalisation. And as a part of the Massar report, in fact, as part of the McCarthy report some 50 years ago, they talked about venue rationalisation. So to deliver, you know, we're a business that's probably going to be between 290 and 300 race meetings a year with the horse numbers we currently have. And so what we need to do is ensure that we've got the infrastructure in place to deliver the best product possible so that the wager gets confidence and bets as best as they can, and we benefit from that. So, it, you know, it's no secret that it will be a consolidated model, not hugely consolidated from where it is. Um, and if you look around the globe, there's places like Ireland who have a pretty successful racing environment. They have 26 venues. Uh, they run for stakes of over $100 million. Um, Not a bad model. They have 5 million in population. So... You know, it's it, in saying all of that, we are New Zealand and we have to do what's best for New Zealand. And we have a, a large community aspect and I think that needs to be really researched well before we make any firm and hard decisions down that route. Hey, Bruce, you didn't actually think that Kempi wasn't going to deviate at some stage, Got boxed you? it on the fence he's, then. He, um, he's been salivating all morning waiting to get you on. I just <laughs> could say, can you just, just change tack a little bit and do appreciate your honesty always, Bruce, around this stuff, and it's good to have you on the show. Just tell it. Tell me a bit about Kempi. Just, cause, t- oh, just, t- just tell me a bit about <laughs> Kempi and, and everybody out there because um, like he, he comes in here, he's full of confidence, full of beans, as you know. He's drinking his coffee. He always shouts the coffee, so he's a generous man. I know that. What, what are you going up with him? What are, what do you kind of – if you had to explain well, to someone about my mate Tony Kemp. He'd love this. There's, there's, there's two things here, I think, Louis. One is this is a, is a public hearing. And it's a family show. So there's a few <laughs> things that you wouldn't say uh, on this show. You're on the school run the at Kodavas, eh? I'll, I'll endorse the generosity side. That's not a problem. But, uh, yeah, look, it's where to start. Um, yeah, we, we go a long way back. Put it that way. We, he was walking down the hill one day to see a girlfriend, and things all changed because he jumped on the back of my ute. And he was 14 <laughs> at the time. So things all, things all changed from that point, shall we say. <laughs> Yeah, all right. That's a, it's a good. Jeez, I wonder what would have happened if I kept on walking down the carols that day, mate. <laughs> I think I know what would have happened. <laughs> um, Bruce, you you obviously involved with some ownership as well, along with Kempi and, and with um, Al Cinerama yeah. scratched out. What else have what's your, what do you have going around in in the next couple of weeks that we can keep an eye out for? Anything you got a you got a winner on the cards? No, not personally. Uh, the two racing at the moment are just asked me, who have just put out in Cinerama, who um, unfortunately I'll use uh, I'll use footy terms as, as pulled a glute or something similar. Mm. But uh, Alan's hopeful that she'll be uh, right to the Taranaki Cup in about two weeks, three weeks. So um, yeah, uh, it's a shame because uh, he felt she was uh, primed for Saturday, but it's racing as we all know. 
Yeah, look, we've got a few young ones as well. So, no, nothing in terms of a winner. I mean, Alan did say to me, and, um, you know, he said he thought Tabatak was probably one of his best given uh, the fields that are lined up at Trenton on Saturday. So, yeah, have a little nibble on, on Tabatak. Gee, don't mind that. And and this is truly off the Tabatak. That, that's really good info. But this is well off the beaten path now. But you, you know a lot about other sports as well. You've had a career in um, footy management and that sort of thing. So you could, you know, you've got an eye for this stuff. James McDonald. Uh, I noticed didn't make the finalist as Sportsman mm. of the Year for the Halberg Awards. And mm. my theory here is I've went and had a look at the panellists and not having a crack at the panellists, but not many of them have a, an understanding or a passion for racing, so it's just a lack of awareness. The Halberg Awards probably kind of get built up to be something that we probably care too much, to be honest. But do you think we kind of, as a sporting public, grasp what jockeys put themselves through as athletes, Bruce? No, no, we don't. And look, I'll be honest. That's that's uh, that's something I'm really keen to um, grow our sport with. We need to be in the conversation around mainstream sport. And as you know, Louis and and, and Kempi clearly knows, and people who are in it get to know about it. I mean, the jockeys are the Formula One drivers, as I put it. Uh, the trainers are the cross between the conditioner and the head coach of a footy team, and the horse is the absolute athlete. Um, and so when people start to understand that, especially the sporting people that uh, are friends of mine, and, and if they're a novice by way of racing, once you explain it in the manner that they understand the athleticism and the skill that goes into uh, achieving what, what horses, trainers, jockeys do, and breeders for that matter, um, yeah, they gravitate to it and they understand it. I think that story needs to be told in the mainstream, and it's certainly something that I'm pretty keen to have those conversations. We're going to put some contact through Hobson with some Zealand sport. And I want to have those conversations on behalf of New Zealand Thoroughbred Racing to uh, to make sure that, you know, they do consider us a genuine sport because uh, I can assure you that pound for pound, um, someone like Clarence McDonald is going to be equal to any 40 player running around. Um, and the other thing that is uh, very interesting, um, you know, someone like James McDonald would earn more than any rugby player in New Zealand by some margin. Oh, yeah. Uh, that, that, that's, so, that's, that's awesome to hear, Bull, because the... I guess the jockeys, you're always hearing about the the Richards and the Alices and the you know the go racing and all all the studs and the horses and stuff like that, and the jockeys get a mention in between things. But you're right, you know, if it wasn't for the jockeys, it wouldn't be racing. And I think that performance space is something that you know probably they they don't mind Dixon getting nominated for the you know racing cars for the for the Hellbergs, but you know. Mm-hmm. James McDonald being ranked number one in the world should be top of the list this year on the Hellbergs and they've left them out. And and the sooner that it's that conversation is on the lips of high performance New Zealand, the, the better it's gonna be for an industry that basically pays for sport New Zealand. It's just awareness. And Bruce I'm sure Bruce will agree, racing we've let ourselves down as far as promotion and awareness over the last couple of decades. There was probably a little bit of a gap or at least, you know, the last ten, fifteen years and, and that's where we're trying to it's trying to get back here, and that's something we're passionate about at SCNZ. I know Bruce is at NZTR as well, so it's just awareness, eh? Um, yeah. It is. It, it look, it look, I think in a nutshell, it's absolutely awareness, and, and we're, we're responsible, along with all of our stakeholders, and I think that's part of what we've got to do, is if we all if we all take a view, every single one of us that complete the team of New Zealand Caribbean Racing, it's all stakeholders, all participants, and we look to a high-performance lens, and we all want to be better every day. The fact of the matter is, that what people start to see is a high-performance sport and people performing well and very professionally. And that's where we've got to get ourselves to. Beautiful. Bruce Sherrick, um, he is New Zealand Thoroughbred Racing Chief Operating Officer and he is also 
a Philadelphia. No, I'm kidding. He's not. Um, great to have you on the show, mate. Appreciate your, your um, time this morning talking about the Trentham track and also just some wider racing topics. It's great to catch up. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the morning. We will do indeed. See you, mate. All right, Kempi. On that merry note, after this, I'm going to tell you exactly why James McDonald should be a finalist for Halberg Sportsman of the Year. And I'm also going to tell you who he should be there instead of. Because you can't have these conversations and just add someone. That's not how it works. I'll pitch the case to you after this, and I want you to listen, and I want you to get involved and let me know why he has not been, or why he should be, in your opinion. Or you might think I'm way off the mark. And if so, perfect. Get in touch. Double eight double three oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. After this, I'm making my case for James McDonald. It's twenty one minutes past eight o'clock. Here with Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. All right, SENZ, and it is twenty six minutes past eight o'clock. James McDonald, a twenty nine year old, or he might be thirty now, New Zealander, who has risen the ranks from very, very, very grassroots New Zealand, worked his way through a sports ranks from an apprentice that was always freakish, um, an extreme talent who had grit and determination, tough, has taken falls, has always had a sense of professionalism about him, earned his way to Australia, won premierships, jockeys premierships in Australia in Sydney, time after time, had a very, very unfortunate and made a mistake, which has been well publicised, betting on a horsey road, was scrubbed from the game of horse racing for a couple of years, came back better, bigger, mentally stronger, and in 2021 became the world's best jockey. And that's not me in my opinion. The global rankings, thoroughbred rankings, which does this on statistics – and I'm going to say some names here, and even if you're a casual racing fan, you would have heard of Frankie Dettori, the guy that for decades now has been at the... Still racing. Still racing, has won Melbourne Cups, has won it all. He's been at the peak. He's, he races in the Italian, he, he does his work in Europe, and, you know, we're the, the creme de la creme. James McDonald usurps Frankie Dettori. He had 94 wins with a strike rate of 21. So 21... 21% of the time, he's winning. 23 group ones, 30 group twos, 41 group threes. He won the Melbourne Cup on Very Elegant. We remember the Kiwi story. He won the Everest on Nature Strip. He won group ones on Zaki and really was the only one to get the best out of Zaki, a horse that everyone thought was a freak. He puts his body on the line. His prize money earnings would usurp maybe everyone apart from Scott Dixon on that list by a whole lot. And here I am going to read you the Sports Person of the Year rankings. Sportsman of the Year, I should say. Hamish Bond, who rode and, yes, won a gold medal with a group of eight, seven other blokes, and, and that, you know, men's eight rowing, you know, they could win Team of the Year and I wouldn't quibble with it. It was one of the great, great memories from that Olympics. But Hamish Bond, yes, he might have inspired them in a level of professionalism. Okay. Kane Williamson, who led the Black Caps to a World Test Championship and again continued to be a run machine and um, had a had a great IPL and I guess a season when his team wasn't performing that well. Paul Cole, who won the British Squash Open and another tournament and played fantastic. 
and Scott Dixon, who, yeah, he is he won another IndyCar title, another one, a, again, an ultimate professional, but IndyCar, not the world's biggest competition, not the Formula One, IndyCar, and I'm not saying it's easy, and I'm say, not saying that Scott Dixon wasn't deserving, but for me, Hamish Bond and Scott Dixon, their achievements from the year in 2021 I really can't see how they stack up to what James McDonald did, becoming the world's best jockey, winning the world's biggest races for a sickening amount of prize money, putting his body on the line after everything and doing it at a professional level where literally the bookmakers that set odds on the stuff, you have to take a J-Mac tax. A James McDonald tax, you take shorter odds because he rides a horse that might not have the same ability as other horses, but because he's on it, they tax you. I think this is this is a little bit of ignorance, but it's a whole lot of misunderstanding. And at the heart of it, we need to be educating these people that are making these decisions, Kempi, because if James McDonald misses out or the future James McDonald miss out in the future, it's really a blight on racing. And, and that's my spiel. Well, oh, look, I've got to agree with you 100%. I, th- I think Bruce, um, just in the last conversation, talked about the high-performance uh, arena that racing hasn't put itself in, especially in the eyes of high performance sport New Zealand, who obviously have a lot to say across this. With if you look at their their committee, some high performance New Zealand people on there, I see Eddie Colassi's name in there. But when you don't have someone like a James McDonald, who is ranked not number one in Australasia, number one in the world, and has gone and done what he's done in this year's. Uh, I guess not even been. I don't know whether he's been nominated, but he in, was nominated, but but not even been in the top five people, been been ranked number one in the world in the sport sport of kings, a truly global sport, a truly global sport. Because that's a you know you you, you lost me when you said Helbergs because in two thousand and eight the Kiwis team should have won the Helberg team of, <laughs> yeah. team of the year. Yeah, award I knew, with I what, knew you would with, bring with that what up. they done yeah. with the World Cup. Yeah, you know. Um, but for me, it's a it's a look. I I don't really pay too much attention to the Hellbergs because it isn't a true reflection of sport in New Zealand. So if this wasn't something I felt very, very passionate about as James McDonald, I probably would have skimmed this and just, we would have moved on. Because you're right, we're conditioned that the Hellberg is, it's apples and oranges and bananas and pears, and it, it never makes sense. There's always a sport that's left behind. But for me, racing is a passion, and it's the lack of awareness that the people on this panel obviously either didn't know who James McDonald was. Well, the panel needs to be updated. Like, I only know one Andy Hay. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the guy's actually working in Germany. He's <laughs> he's an Englishman that played with me at Castleford and works in Germany. And they got him as the unless there's another Andy Hay. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm just I'm I'm because I, mean, I don't pay much attention to the Halberg's Award. I'm looking at the committee and going, you know, they need to they need to change up the one the criteria. If they, you know, my personal ref- reflection on this is that the Māori Sports Awards were, were becoming too much of a beast. You know what I mean? They were really, like, I've been to a, a, a few of the Māori Sports Awards. They were becoming bigger than Ben Hur. And all, and, and then the Helberg Awards was sort of something to compete against it. Um, I think what they really need to do to the Helberg, for the Helbergs, though, is to make it truly about New Zealand sport across the board. You yeah. know what I mean? I mean, you. And yep, they need I to do. go back to 2008 and give the Kiwis that team award. I do know. <laughs> I do know. You've been 27 minutes away. We've got to get to the news with Kubota. Double eight, double three.
am I am I off it? Am I off the mark, or is this is this a real blight that James McDonald isn't there? And there are more issues, but we can't just sit here because we don't have enough time. We're gonna otherwise Stephen McIver wouldn't do his show today. Twenty seven minutes away <laughs> from nine o'clock. Here's the news with Kubota. Twenty five minutes away from nine. Happy morning to you. Thirteenth of January, twenty twenty two. Uh, thanks for listening. SCNZ Summer Breakfast, Tony Kemp and Louis Herman Watt here throughout until 10am. Just picking back up off the Hellbergs and just more on a cheery note, I would like to applaud a couple of uh, finalists, which I really think is awesome to see. One, Paul Cole. I would not be scrubbing Paul Cole for James McDonald. Paul Cole, I mean, the way he performed again in a trying year away from home, well, away from his home of birth, um... You know, winning some, really just doing it on his own a lot of the time, at the best of the best in a sport which is again global squash. Very, very cool to see. Courtney Duncan, motocross sportswoman of the year finalist, brilliant. Love to see that. Really, really cool. Great to see Sarah Hidney and the Blackfern Sevens teams, uh, team and team of the year, and Sarah Hidney and sportswoman of the year as well. Um, yeah, really, really like that. It's uh, it's very special to see, and I guess. I guess I'm just hoping, and don't turn this radio off if you're at Lake Kitapeto, I guess I'm just hoping that Hamish Bond and the rowing men's eight don't just sweep, or rowing doesn't just sweep the whole awards, because I think we're more than a country of Olympians, Kempi. Yeah, look, I, I, look, I love rowing too. My son rowed, rowed um, for Westlake College and a number of times spent down on the lake down in Kitapeto and and Twizel, um at the Marty and and you know, it, but it it's chalk and cheese. The the sports that are selected, are, uh, it's you know, I'm, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. Make your own mind up about it. But for me, it, it should be called you know something else. It shouldn't be it shouldn't be called. It's about New Zealand sport because it's not. There you go. There's some passion at twenty. Three minutes away from nine o'clock. What do you think? Who's unlucky? Who's awesome to see there? Great to see Emirates getting a plug in Team of the Year. Get <laughs> <laughs> some good marketing. Is that, is, that, is that the team we gave five hundred million dollars to? <laughs> oh, that are going to take us somewhere they, else? We won't. We won't. That's right. I don't think they get it. Uh, after this, we're going to talk to Shauna Polly. Where's some volleyball representation? Oh, here it is. SCNZ Summer Breakfast. Volleyball. It's a true summer sport, and this is the Summer Breakfast Show on SCNZ. Let's park the Hellbergs. I'm feeling a little bit downbeaten now. Let's talk volleyball. Happy story. Shauna Polly, great character, coming up after this on SCNZ Summer Breakfast. See, Baz gets it. He might be on holiday, but he understands what summer's about. It's sun and it's sand, and the sport that is most involved for sun and sand, not surfing, it's volleyball. And Shauna Polly was one of the highlights of our interviewees last year, Kempi, on SCNZ. We absolutely loved having Shauna on, hearing about her intrepid travels around the world. She's back in New Zealand now as the New Zealand Beach Tour is kicking off around the volleyball circuit. She's going to fill us in and explain to us what's going on. Morning to you, Shauna. Morning, guys. How's it going? Morning, Shauna. Yeah, we're good. How are you doing? I I noticed that you've actually... um, since your intrepid, your intrepid travels last time ending up in Rwanda, you braved it again. You went to Southeast Asia, didn't you? Oh, I know. It's crazy. Uh, so just after we we spoke last time, we found out that there was another tournament that was going to be on in Thailand, uh, Asian Champs, which is how we qualified for the World Champs. And so we had two weeks to prepare for this event, 
And first of all, when we heard about it, I was like, well, there's no way we're going. Like, we won't be able to get an MIQ spot, let alone, like, tell my work and, like, organize time off and all this stuff. Uh, but Alice, she just jumped on the computer. Uh, the next day was, like, one of the virtual bookings, uh, like, the releases for the MIQ. And she got 600 from the queue. Uh, she managed to get a spot for the date that we needed to come back. And so, yeah, within, like, 24 hours, we booked flights and decided we'd go to Thailand to try qualify for World Champs. So, yeah, hectic. Um, and ended up going to Thailand. Uh, we did really, really well over there. We got a fourth-place finish, which uh, we're, like, 80% sure will confirm us for World Champs. There's talks of them hosting maybe another tournament to re-qualify people for World Champs. <laughs> uh, but that was the best result New Zealand women's team's ever done at an Asian event, Asian World Cha- sorry, Asian Championship event. Uh, so, yeah, really stoked with that performance. And obviously our travels overseas really helped towards that too. Hey, Sean, it's Kempe here. Well done on that, um, getting that MIQ spot. I'm saying, I say book <laughs> yourself into the com, the next Com Games. You, you, you've done well already at one Com Games. What's what's the plans for, you know, I know that Super Series is on at the moment, but what are your plans leading into the next one? Yeah, so we'll be here in New Zealand for the uh, majority of the summer. Like you said, we've got the New Zealand Beach Tour kicking off um, this weekend uh, in Ruakaka. Hopefully the cyclone doesn't hit, um, but there's talks of that. Uh, literally blowing the tournament away. Um, but, <laughs> but we will uh, yep, compete on all... Uh, there's six tournaments, and we'll compete on, I think, four of them, and then look to head to Mexico in early uh, March. There's a new like World League tour that's starting up, and it's really crucial to like get into the early events to secure points. So it starts off with two events in Mexico and then an event in Brazil uh, like 10 days later. So I think we'll go to the States for like a training camp a week beforehand. And then, yeah, hit it down to Mexico, down to Brazil, and then look to come back, have a bit of a break, <laughs> uh, hopefully around like April, May. And then we will start our build-up again for Com Games, uh, which would be uh, about June. Um, and potentially look to be based overseas in Europe again June, July, and then, yep, Com Games in August. So really, really exciting uh, few months coming up. Uh, super hectic, but, yeah, I live for it. Uh, you do live for it. I reckon there's a <laughs> – if any, like, production house is listening, maybe Hutchie over in, in South Yarra is listening, what we need is, like, an intrepid tra- intrepid tra- travels or an intrepid journeys drive to survive mashup about, like, the volleyball tour around the world. Shauna can be the main character and we can just follow her around <laughs> because you end up in some crazy places. Is there, an, is there a fully-fledged career in being a pro, a pro volleyball player around, like, the world circuits? Could you do it full-time? Yeah. Yeah, the top, the top players – Mostly do. Unfortunately, it's still not the uh, prize money's still not quite at a level where it's a hundred percent like livable, I guess. Um, but the federations take good care of them, and they obviously can get sponsorship deals and stuff like that. So you, you maybe have a handful at the like top sixteen level that are, um, you know, living maybe like pretty well. Um, but there, there are definitely a lot of like full-time athletes that are competing on the world circuit year-round, um, and we're trying to get to that stage. Uh, High Performance for New Zealand have just invested 200k into beach volleyball, 
uh, which we've never had any of that funding beforehand. And so that's so <laughs> awesome. When they told me that, I just like instantly broke down crying. How much do you get? Been, What's your cut? I, so part of, I will get access to what's called their tax pathway, which I think is 25K a year for three years for athletes that they've targeted. Um, so yeah, when they told me that, it was just like, wow. Uh, I've spent 10 years trying to get to like, yeah, some kind of funded level. Um, so when yeah, we found out, that was just like amazing and obviously going to take a bit of stress off of me uh, going into Com Games in the next few years trying to qualify for the Olympics. So yeah, super, super stoked. So, so who does the fun? Like you've just talked about basically a trip around the world there while you've got to find you know, gaps in between work and stuff. Who does fund it, Shauna? Like, who funds... Are you picking fruit on the road? (laughs) (laughs) Um, We get a little bit from Volleyball New Zealand. They've really stepped up the last few years and helped giving us um, a bit of funding here and there. But, you know, a a trip to Europe for four or five months, that cost me like 15k. Uh, And I I just knew that I wanted to do this, uh, like, before the Com Games, after the last Com Games. So since then, I've just been saving up. So I just, you know, all my work is to save up money so I can do travel for volleyball. What's your day uh, job? Yeah, uh, I work for a company that sells Manuka honey, and I do the data analysis behind uh, mm. how Manuka honey grows. Super, super random, but uh, this, they're an awesome company. They're really flexible with me. I can do most of my work from my laptop. Um, give, so, them yeah. a, give them a and plug, Shauna. So I'm just, like, posting up at the beach uh, in cafes doing my work. Uh, yeah, it's pretty hectic, but I make it work. Yeah, you sound, you sound so driven, Sean. It's a, it's really refreshing to to listen to you this morning. It must be a story, though. There must be a story, like a travel story, going through places like Mexico. Mate, and she swam in a she swam in a lake in Rwanda. Where what's, what's one seen... of the, what's one of those stories? <laughs> no, 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 that you, no. You... We didn't swim in the lake because of you know the history of Rwanda. Oh, you didn't actually get in in the end, right? <laughs> Sorry, good clarification. No, yeah, the, the locals were like, no, 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 we do not swim in that lake. That's where all the dead bodies are from the genocide. Yeah, well, that's a good miss. Anything else? Uh, nothing too crazy this last trip. Um, we we did freak out that we were going to miss our flight home to get our MIQ spot. We had a bit of a mix-up at the airport. Uh, where the airlines couldn't issue our final ticket from like Melbourne to New Zealand, um, so we we flew into Melbourne and we still didn't have our ticket like actually to get to New Zealand, and so we're racing around the airport trying to say to people like, need we need to like get into transfers to get to uh, the airside, and everyone's like security was like we we're not expecting anyone to like be flying there today, like nothing's open. So Alice and I just like, you guys don't understand. Like, we had to get on the flight to get home to, like, our MIQ spot. And luckily, they were able to open up security, get us through, and then um, in New Zealand, were able to issue us our tickets at the gate. But, man, just the stress of, like, being stuck overseas, I really don't want to experience that anytime soon. So hoping when we go to Mexico, the border will be open. Um, but it's... You know, there's talks of maybe them pushing it back because of Omicron and all this stuff. So it's really hard to know. I'm sure you'll find a way home, Shauna. Hey, Shauna, just one final question. Who who was your who were you, who do you look up to uh, when you were growing up? Like, who was the athlete oh, that, you, that you looked up to? It's really cliche, but it was my mum. <laughs> she was a was she um, was she a good volleyball? New Zealand softball, uh, New Zealand softball and hockey player. So 
two of them amazing. She's an awesome mother as well. So she really took care of me. And yeah, she was always my biggest role model. That is very, very cliche, but it's also very cool. Hey, give, <laughs> give your Manuka Honey um, side hustle a shout out. Uh, yeah, um, Three Peaks Manuka Honey. So you can find us online, um, but we mostly actually sell in bulk to other customers, uh, other big Manuka Honey brands. Beautiful stuff. Well, if anybody's interested, it's going to a good cause because you're, you're helping a good young Kiwi athlete <laughs> on the world stage. Awesome to catch up again, Shauna. Well, um, next time you're in Mexico or, or next time you're around the world, we'll have to phone in and see how you're doing. Sure thing. Awesome. Thanks, guys. No worries. Shauna Polly, Kiwi volleyball uh, player, qualified for the Com Games. She's just doing all she can to do what she loves. Mate, and you can, and you can hear it in her voice, the passion, the passion and the desire to to just get out there and succeed, you know. Then even, you know, 25K in the, in the yeah, con- context. Yeah, how happy she context, was. I know, like, in the context of what she has to actually pay to get to, get to these games and, and survive, um, yeah, just the... Jeez, I, I could hear it. I could hear it in her voice. It was awesome. Yeah, isn't that just a great classic uh, l- example and lesson in perspective? I've seen blokes collect more off the punt and not be that excited. And, um, you know, that's just that's how much her passion genuinely means to her. Shauna Polly, very, very cool to catch up again. As I say, second time we've spoken to her now. If you want to go hear her first yarn, um, it was crazy. And it was a lot of the similar stories. But going over to the Baznizzi for breakfast on podcast channels and have a look. It is six minutes away from nine o'clock. Now a couple of texts I want to get to on the other side of this. Right, we've got Mitch Santa coming up after nine o'clock this morning. couple of texts. Goose, Louis, you're reading too much into it and giving the Halbergs too much credit. I agree with you, but this has happened for years. The Black Sox are prime example. Three World Series in a row, 12 years. Yeah, Goose, and I freely admit that I am reading too much into it, but uh, thanks for the message. Totally agree, Louis, nicely put. Leave your name. Thank you. I love it when people pump me up. And hi, guys. Do the Helberg panellists see racing as an industry rather than a sport? Even though it is a sport, perhaps there is a lack of awareness. I know nothing about racing, but since listening to SCNZ, I'm starting to learn more. Keep up the great work, guys. Cheers, Mark. Mark, you're bang on. It's all about awareness, and it's our job and the racing industry's job to stop this happening in the future. And um, I appreciate your message there. It's about right, eh, Kempi? Very good. Very good. I think Bruce has said that too, and he knows that as uh, the position they hold that, you know, it's one of the big targets, I guess, for New Zealand racing is to put that awareness back out there in the marketplace. And we got the right people in the right seats on the bus, I believe. Well, with Bruce, at least. Mitch Santner coming up. Right now, we're off to get a McCafe coffee. It's time for the news with Kubota. Together, we're shaping and building New Zealand. At Chemist Warehouse at this Christmas, find David off hot water at 110 mil for just $34.99. Baz and Izzy, we might be at the beach, but the show goes on. It's the summer breakfast on SENZ. CNZ, we're talking about it. What you talking about, Willis? We talk about it. We'll talk about it here. SNZ Summer Breakfast, three minutes past nine o'clock this morning here. And there's plenty, plenty of action to come still throughout the day on SNZ. Did he jump didn't he jump off the he jumped off his seat, Bruce, too, when you intro introed him, didn't he? Hey? Just thinking about that. Bruce Sherrick jumped off, mate, threw a couple of jabs straight away. Try to go out for the knockout punch. What was it? Yeah, as good as an Astro on a motorbike. And what was the other one? 
Oh, I can't actually remember. I think I blocked it all out. We do like our guests here to have a little bit of fire in the belly. Um, there's, there's, because <laughs> there's so much sport going on over summer. You, you kind of, it's easy just to get a bit lax, but there is good sport. It is high level, and the guests that we have, you know, they get right up and into it. Yesterday, uh, Auckland Aces and Ford Trophy Kempi were a bit too strong for ND, but one of the ND standouts, and uh, it's not not a not something you. It's something we say most summers, really. Mitchell Santner has been a, a total pro in the cricketing circuit for a long time. Black Cap, done it at the highest level, playing some domestic cricket this summer while the test side's going about their work. And he's been good enough to join us this morning as we talk a bit of cricket. And there's plenty to discuss with Mitchell. Good morning, Mitch. How you doing, man? I'm good. How are you guys? Yeah, we're doing good. How are you enjoying your summer back playing some domestic cricket? Yeah, it's good. Um, yeah, it's... You- we usually come back for one-off game and, and here and there, but it's nice to actually, you know, just string a few games together for ND. And, um, you know, we're obviously doing pretty well in T20 stuff, so it'll be nice to chip in on the next few days. Yeah, that's right. Do you find that actually being, because um, you've obviously vastly experienced now, played around the world in lots of different leagues and for the national side, do you enjoy getting back and just being able to be around some of the less experienced lads and just kind of rubbing shoulders and, and actually being a bit of a mentor and leader? Is that something you find quite enjoyable for yourself? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, um, you know, it's always nice to come back and, and play for ND. Um, you know, we've got quite a a good group there at ND now as well that I've played, you know, throughout the years as well um, in my early days for ND. So, you know, it's a very tight tight group. And, um, yeah, it's nice to obviously, um, you know, I guess we don't have a lot of international stuff coming up. So it's nice to be able to just focus on this for a while and, and string a few games together. Well, there is, a, there is some international cricket that I'd be curious to pick your brain about coming up this ODI series. But let's just circle back to yesterday against the Aces, who, um, yeah, played a blinder, really. Lockie Ferguson, geez, that looked terrifying, to be honest, mate. I went back and watched some of his wickets. He's bowling quick, isn't he? Yeah, it's fair to say we got uh, we got Lockie yesterday. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's not nice to face at the best times, let alone, you know, downwind at Eden Park, Outer Oval, so... Yeah, um, it was you know it was a pretty good wicket, and he obviously you know knocked the top off, um, and that put us under the pump pretty early. Uh, but you know it's always nice to see Lockie bowling fast, and, and he definitely was yesterday. The um, what's what's the talk like in the sheds when you when Lockie's in that type of form, mate? And you've got to get to the boys say, you know, do they do, is there any banter in there about what knowing what's coming down there? And what 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 is it like standing there, mate, when it's coming down like that? <laughs> well, I was um, I was. Just, I had a had a late lunch, so I was parking up, and then I heard a bang, bang, and I had to put the pads on. Which was about over, so <laughs> have a lot of time to think about. Um, but yeah, yeah, when he's going like that, he's, he's you know you try obviously do your best and try see him off. But um, I think he had four in the first kind of four overs, so um, you, you're kind of on the back foot there pretty early. Well, with that though, the total you posted, you probably are not it's the outer oval and um, like it's. It's obviously hard. <laughs> it's not. It's not great. It's not great when you're not posting more than three hundred. But two fifty six for what you ended up with. I mean, you would have seen a lot of Dutchies innings. How good is it to see him and some Nick? One hundred twenty six from one hundred four. Yeah, yeah, it was outstanding. Um, you know, it could, have, it could have gone one or two ways there, and he, you know, decided to counter punch um, in the in the power play and got off to a flyer. And then I was just, you know, happy enough to be at the other end watching him kind of go. Um, yeah, I think we we're, were flying it at one stage. Um, but yeah, obviously, once I got out, we kind of um, 
you know, lost a few at the end there, which was which was same because it was a very good wicket. Um, you know, three hundred was 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 a pretty good score, but it wasn't you know out of out of reach. Yourself, um, obviously bowling and, and pretty good um, uh, restriction from yourself yesterday. Ten overs, two wickets, and only forty-seven runs conceded. How are you feeling with your bowling, Mitch? You enjoying it, mate? You feel like you're in some pretty tidy nick? Yeah, it's um, it's coming out alright. Um, obviously, yes, that you know, at, at the smaller grounds, you got to you got to be on, I guess. And um, you know, I think they got off a, a pretty good start, so um, it always looked like you know, three hundred was going to be. Or something around that was going to be the score. So you you got to kind of play it accordingly. Um, you can't, I guess, just toss it up and and then you might you might go for a few more. So it's you know trying to get the one or two dots and over if you can, and then kind of chip wickets out that way um, by building pressure rather than trying to trying to spin them out because yeah there wasn't a lot of spin to be seen. <laughs> hey Mitch, just off off the um, being tracky, you know when you're playing in test matches and you're sitting there and you've got like three days of batting going on and you know your, your front order is going all right and you're sitting up there wondering when, you, when you're going to step up do you pull the phone out and look at the look at the track side TAB and start watching some races what do you, what do, you do we're not talking to bears mate <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying what do you do like you know back in my day when we were playing for New Zealand when we had downtime we would play Texas Holden um, prolific it was you know all the boys are into What's what, what do the cricketers get up to when they've got to sit there for two days yeah, it's, it's tough when you when you get off the bus and they they take your phone off you straight away um, on the on the TV games. So you've you've got uh, you've got a lot of time to keep yourself busy. Um, well, you can only eat so many yeah. cucumber sandwiches and drink so much tea. What else do you do? Yeah, that's that's the hard thing. Eh? You end up just snacking all day, and it's probably not good <laughs> when the train is staring at you every time. Um, but yeah, there's. Oh, Days just kind of float through, eh? If you so, do you carry a spare phone in your bet in your bet bag? <laughs> no, of course <laughs> you do. You do, eh? Come on, mate. Be they, serious. They, they all, track side, eh? yeah. the, the, the cricketers love euchre. I'm pretty sure they are all 500. They're all pretty handy cards players. Yeah. I, I reckon they all, they all sharks at the end of it. Hey, um, there's a pretty exciting tour coming up. Well, the, the summer's a bit funny at the moment. We've got with the MIQ situation. So we got the South African Test series, which is going to be some huge onus after that Tide series against Bangladesh. And, and with the MIQ situation, the side that's going to go and play these ODIs with um, Roscoe over in Australia probably won't. Will be one of my, our more inexperienced sides. We're going to send. Obviously, you'll be right there in the the reckoning. Has there been there much chat about that and? Um, what that side might look like, and as far as who's going to be kind of leading that unit? No, there hasn't been a lot yet. I think it's still um, we're still waiting on 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 a few things before they before they name the, the squad. Uh, but like you said, there might be seven or eight players out, or you know, because obviously the test stuff. So yeah, it's going to be a very very interesting squad. Um, you know, some some guys get an opportunity, um, which will be which will be cool. Um, you know, we've got some good. In, in domestic cricket at the moment, as we've seen, and you know, guys going big and super smash and, and stuff like that. So, you know, it's exciting uh, to see who will be there. Some some young faces, and obviously, it's not an easy place to go. But um, I think the way that you know New Zealand cricket is building, um, you know, the, the domestic stocks and these guys standing up all the time, pushing pushing for spots, it's you know, um, it's going to be pretty exciting. I'm sure you guys will relish the challenge or whoever goes over and there'll be you know, a decent amount of leadership there. Is there anyone that in, in domestic cricket that you've been bowling to or facing lately that you would love to see get an opportunity that um, you can let us know about? 
Yeah, there's obviously, um, you know, after we just played a couple of four trophy games, and um, but uh, I think you know we've seen how Finn Finn has been lighting up the start of the Super Smash. Um, Bracer was knocked the other day; was was pretty special, and um, you know Fletcher with the gloves has been mm. been pretty good, and he's any runs as well. So you know, there's, there's there's not just one; there's actually you know quite a few guys that you know could potentially be there and and, and you know have the ability to step up straight away. So. For New Zealand cricket as a whole, um, you know, it's very exciting. Yeah, no, it's going to be cool. It, look, it, it'll be an interesting, it'll be a different sort of series watching it go, but um, hopefully Gup's uh, calf can come good. Ross will be over there, Jimmy, probably yourself. Like, there'll be a good core of guys, and, and then it'll be a great opportunity for some other people to stand up. So it'll be interesting to watch. Well, good luck for the rest of the domestic season anyway, mate. The um, Super Smash starting to wind up, and obviously Ford Trophy as well. So hopefully ND can keep putting some results together. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, you know, we have a couple of Super Smash games in the next few days, so um, you know we're sitting in a pretty good position. So hopefully we can, you know, w- win the next two and, and be right up there. Excellent stuff, man. Thanks for your time this morning. No worries, thanks, guys. There you go, Mitchell Santner. He's a, been a bit of a stalwart of New Zealand cricket. Um, he's probably in his late twenties now, but played a lot of tests, a lot of white ball cricket. More of a white ball player these days. They're so probably looking towards guys like Ruch and Ravindra in that test spot as orthodox all rounders. Um, but still a huge part of our white ball setup. Really good at tying an end down. For example, yesterday at Eden Park Outer Oval, 10 overs for 47, 4.7. That just tells me that he's locked in and they're not mm. actually even trying to take to him because they can't and it's not worth it. So in white ball cricket, especially in Australia, on some of those bigger overs, um, getting through those middle overs and these ODIs, I'm pretty sure he'll be quite a big part of that and especially with the bat in hand as well. So good to catch up with him, Kimpy. Yeah, nice to hear that. I, I, what I'd like to hear too is that they're talking about some younger blokes coming through in the depth of the cricket yeah. uh, here in New Zealand. So it's good to hear. When you hear from a from a player that says, you know, New Zealand cricket's in a really good space, so you know, there's a few people that, that look like they're going to take on this tour. Mate, it's really, really good to hear that um, it's still thriving throughout New Zealand at the, at the grassroots level. Yeah, that's actually a really good point because you know who does know these things? It's the players. Yeah. Peer, peer um, criticism and um, praise is probably more. Well, it is. It's more important than coaches, I think, and especially media. And he sounded like he enjoyed going back and playing for uh, ND. You know what I mean? Totally. So taking the time out, going back with his mates, and you know the, the joking about facing Lockie with you know on that on that hot um, hot spring that he was on yesterday, mate. Just mate, some of go and watch. If anybody go into the New Zealand cricket website, go have a look at uh, yesterday's result. And watch the wickets that Lockie took. Some of the chin music at 150 clicks, <laughs> mate. That's not fun. No, that's that's, that's the a, opposite that's a, of fun. That's a great punishment, isn't it? That's you know, like that's a great punishment. You got to face him. Remember when Piers Morgan strapped on the helmet and faced Binger, Brett Lee, Oof. and it was just the best thing ever. But you know, no, you wouldn't put anyone you love through there. You know, no, it's not. It's not. Um, yeah, gee, that's intense. Hey, here's a couple of texts. Circling back to the Hellbergs, the Hellbergs have never been never recognised sport where the sport is perceived to be blue collar, disappointing and discrimination. Unfortunately, interesting point there, Jordan. Um, yeah, I'm not I'm not sure, but if you look through, oh, the... I, I I agree. I I got to agree with Jordan. I think you know it's that's what I was trying. To, I didn't didn't want to say it, but that's what I was trying to say. I think it I think it is a bit of an elitist um, award ceremony. And here's a really interesting text from Dino. 
Hi, Louie and Kempi. Our company sponsors major race meetings in the Naki. Yet as a sponsor, apart from the hospitality of the Taranaki Racing Club, I am not learning anything about the industry to be able to understand it or invest more into it. And that's from Dino. And Dino, I, I really appreciate that message because... As you can tell, I'm passionate about it. Baz is passionate about it. Kempi's passionate about it. Smithy's passionate about it. Um, we do offer more racing content here at SCNZ that previous iterations of this sort of sports network have. Uh, but So where that falls, I think, is to the industry itself. So mm. Bruce and New Zealand Thoroughbred Racing. And if you're a sponsor, I think definitely the club but also the governing body should be going out of their way to make sure that you keep investing and you make sure that you feel like you have enough understanding to to enjoy investing and I think that's great that you've texted through with that because that's something that definitely needs to change. Yeah, look, if you if you look at the the mainstream sports like rugby, rugby league in New Zealand, um, when they run in events at Mount Smart, Eden Park, they normally have... Um, people going around educating in your lounges, so you have a you know you have half times. Yeah. People talking, telling you what's going on, giving an analysis of the game, the ex players, and so forth. And so, and again, it's some that awareness in and around. Yeah, it's a great great text coming in um, there by Dino. Is that if you have got a sponsor there, like educate them, like educate them. He, what he's saying is like educate me. I want to actually give you more, but I don't. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. So the the for instance, Hobsey down in Taranaki, what he should be doing is having someone going around. And saying, "Hey guys, you know, this is what's happening. This is what the trainers have done this week. They've been up every morning. Get a trainer to you know, do it. Get a train exactly. And get get where, jockeys to talk about the race." And Bruce said it actually falls on the stakeholders as well. Oh, well, I think it falls more on the stakeholders to educate. Well, it's their livelihood. That's exactly right. You don't want to dry up your way of living. And you know, there's two. There's two. So there's the sponsors, which are crucial. And if you're sponsoring Dino, you know. You need to be being looked after. And then the next step underneath that, actually the first step, is the punters, the people. You know, I often wonder, you go to a race meeting and if you just kind of walk in, a lot of the time, and I've been there in the last five years where I was less acquainted with the industry, you walk into a track you've never been to before, you're kind of looking around like, is this where I'm meant to be? You kind of wander up to the gate, you turn around, you kind of like... Some of them you walk into and go, what year is it? (laughs) What year is it? Where am I? And, And... you know, there's not, and it's a lot of it comes down to resource, and they can't have multiple uh, staff of working and, and educating. But why not in between, say, races three and four, or two and three actually, or one and two even better? Let's say two and three. Why not in the public on the public lawn at Ellerslie? Why isn't there um, Danielle Johnson, an injured jockey, and uh, Luke Kimmy's from Boys Get Paid, or myself, or Clado, or somebody going and just standing there with a PA? And just for anyone that's listening, hey, this is Danielle Johnson. This is about what I do. This is about the race that's coming up. Kids come up and talk. And I know Love Racing have been running some of this stuff for kids through summer, which is awesome to see. But we need to take it to the masses a bit more. It needs to be more accessible. And that's where that awareness thing comes in. So when we're griping about James McDonald, this is really the chicken. Yeah, look, I, back in the old days, you used to have apprentices in rugby league, especially when I went to England, and they would... They would have to clean your boots, hang your kit up. You know, you basically you walked in when you're a pro. You walked in in your your civvies, and everything was laid out for you. And the apprentices, you know, they had to clean up at the at the back end as well. Um, and they had to go and do a lot of the the I guess the work that up at the club as well to get them to understand what it meant to be a professional. Part of the whole concept, 
Louis, that you're talking about is that in a, in a, in a pathway system, if you're going through to high performance, you should be taking trainers, jockeys, um, and administrators into these positions like a track in Taranaki, mm. and they should be explaining to the public what's mm. going on as part of their own learning. So you're mm. actually giving them conf- confidence to stand up and talk because they're going to have to stand up and talk to owners. They're going to have to stand up and talk Love to that. Great the point. public. It goes you know both I mean? ways. It does. So you know, it's not a, it's not a, it's not rocket science. It's just that the point I was making to Bruce is you're inherited a hundred years of history. Yeah. And you actually have to break that historical thought pattern to to move forward. Because, because what people say, well, we've been doing it for 100 years. Well, different, that doesn't different make it right. The, because it's a different landscape. Yeah. Netflix, did a Netflix exist 100 years ago? No, well, you've been watching movies lately? Yeah. Have you watched many movies? Yeah. It ain't Hollywood. Yeah. You know what I mean? Netflix has changed the, the <laughs> landscape of movies. There, there's so many weird oh, movies out there. I'm sorry, did you have a Walkman in 1918, <laughs> let alone AirPods? Yeah. <laughs> it's, well, a different, it's a different playing field. I remember field. I stumbled on a phone box in England when I was at Doncaster in the in the early 80s, and, and somehow you could dial New Zealand without paying, because it used to suck up like pound coins every 30 seconds. That's how you used to ring home. I remember, I remember, geez, it was stumbling right on Christmas time. We're up there every day and you talk for hours to your, your parents and everyone, your mates and all that sort of stuff. But we used to say back then, well, imagine if we could see each other. <laughs> Now these days you put your phone down so, and go, hope so, no one's going to phone me. So just to circle that back, the, so the rate, this, the landscape is so far changed. So it can't, and that's where your point, you got to change the thinking. You need to take the educators to the to the people that want to be educated. Great text from Dino, appreciate it. Look, you, as you can tell, Kempi and me are on board. Let's start Let's start making this a, so we don't have to quibble about James McDonald in the future. Let's take awareness to another level when it comes to racing in New Zealand. 22 minutes past 9 o'clock. We're here with Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Paul Mawati, the party, after this. SCNZ, we are 27 minutes past 9 o'clock. Kempi, we've, we've hit a nerve, mate. This is from TC. Yes, all sports should support sponsors and crowds. It seems they'd rather deafen with loud music than keep us informed. That's from TC. Brilliant point, TC, because, Kempi, this isn't just about racing. I mean, it is in this instance. But actually, there's so many sports that would be more popular if they valued awareness. Man, I, I, I went to the NFL uh, pre-2010 to do a, a, a study um, and ended up at the San Diego Chargers with, uh, what's it, what was his name? Oh, it'll come, it'll come to me anyway. Philip Rivers? No, no, no. He was, oh, he's, he had a German name. Um, but anyway, long story short, I ended up in the media box. Yeah, I ended up in the media box. NFL, hands down, do the best job at educating people across the board. You know, so many breaks in the game, you've got so much information coming to you 100 miles an hour. Anyway, I went to the media box. I was used to the NRL media, you know what I mean? I'd been coaching for five, six years and used to the NRL media. And I walked into the NFL media box. That's where they put me. Right on halfway, mate, it was just full of beer and pizza. <laughs> like they, they couldn't feed the media enough, but every single play, a girl came over the over the um, speaker, and she said, "That was Louis. He just ran for ten meters. He's twenty nine. He comes from Minnesota. Ah. He grew up. He went to he went to this college. That's his eighth carry of the of the game. Um, we expect him to hit two hundred meters." And all these media people were doing were eating pizza, drinking beer, and writing what this girl was saying and tweeting it. And she, but the thing was, I was listening, going. They're actually educating, the, and Marty Schottenheimer was the coach's name. Oh, yes. And the biggest, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I did some time with Marty Schottenheimer, and he said to me, the, which is the, the, I guess for me, was a real 
good understanding about the media. He said, you control the media. So he said, come with me and I'm going to, I'm going to take you to my media scrum. Because they had a media scrum. They had a training session coming out of media scrum. They, the media person said, oh, get ready, Marty's coming. So the media rammed around this. It was a scrum, media scrum. Up, up stands Marty. Marty just jams out and says, well, this is what's happened for the day. Basically answered all the questions that he knew was going to come to him and then said, have you got any questions? And there were no questions. And he said, the secret is, is to answer the questions before they ask them and just be really transparent. So information is the key here. It's just Inf- Information and education. Love it. Let's pick that up after this, Kempi. We've got to get to our man at the TAB, Paul Mawati, the party. TAB.co.nz is your place for all things punting in New Zealand. Paulie, how are you doing? I'm doing very, very well. Crocky, it's been a busy, busy uh, morning with you boys. It's, it, there's been more action uh, on a Thursday morning uh, with That's you boys than you, get, <laughs> than you get on a Friday night at the Copacabana. No, that's not true, mate. Oh, <laughs> oh, that, that's not true, Paul. But we have Where's it. the Copacabana, mate? I'll come up and lift those rates too. Well, hey, Paul, watch out, because Kimpy, the Hurricane's <laughs> coming down to the capital, mate. Oh, wow. Mate, I'll be, in, I'll be in T. Lee's too tomorrow afternoon about 4 o'clock having a beer if anyone wants to come out for a chat. <laughs> You're bringing the Philadelphia lawyer with you? Mate, the Philadelphia lawyer. Lewis Litt, he'll be with me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I think it's stuck. When Paul, I think it's stuck. Poor Bruce. Hey, Paul, um, the markets are open for this weekend. Uh, no no surprise on trivia. Short, Paranui Bay, not much meat on the bone there at two bucks. And an interesting uh, Wellington Guineas, a group two. And... Uh, another one that I'm interested in is Sherwood Forest, four fifty and a dollar seventy there in race seven. Much action on Trentham last night or so far today? Uh, I can tell you in the Telegraph, uh, in the final field market that on trivia has been uh, no surprises there has been the best back. Uh, what she gets the the ace draw uh, down the shoot at Trentham. Uh, it, it's going to take something special to knock her over. I can't see her getting beat. Uh, Levante uh, has had a, a wee bit of cash uh, flow uh, that way as well. Currently $4. The best back outside of the top two in the market, uh, there's a couple. Tavi Mac, I don't know if Kempe can give us a, a pointer there. Tavi Mac has seen a wee bit of action as well, as has uh, Packing Rockstar. Mm. So, yeah. That makes sense but to all me. The, all the action is at the top of the market with Entrevier uh, and a Weber going Levante's way. Of course, we've got a future-proof uh, promotion running at the moment, and anyone who uh, backed a runner in the futures market for the Telegraph, uh, and if they haven't made that final field, they now have a bonus bet in their account. Um, so if you have had the bet in that futures market, check your account because... Anyone that didn't make the final field has now had a bonus bet added to their account. You can go over futures punt on Waisaki and the Wellington Cup at five bucks, and you can get your money back up to fifty dollars if it doesn't win. Um, I know Al Sharik's just been pacing this horse and trying to plod the preparation pool racing at Otaki today. So we'll go and have a little look there for any promotions you might be running. We'll catch up with you tomorrow. Uh, uh, no, not tomorrow. Is it Pip tomorrow? Um. We'll no, work. give me a call. We'll work that one. Yeah, out. give me a call. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I think Pip's still on holiday. 
yeah, like, aren't all of the frontliners? It's <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. Well, I can. It's not. It's not bad being a B lister these days. Can relate. Can relate. There you go. Twenty seven minutes away from ten o'clock. Paulie Mawadi, the party. Good to catch up with him. We're going to shoot off to the news and get to Trudy right now for Kubota. Together, we are shaping and building New Zealand. SENZ, Summer Brecky, Kempi and Louie here for another 25 minutes before Stephen McIver takes over. Get in touch with us, 0800 150 811. The Kennard Tire phone line is there, and with that in mind, let's use it. Chris from Christchurch is on the line. Morena, Chris, how you doing, man? Yeah, good, matey. How you going? Just doing a bit of acrylic pouring all over the wife's kitchen table, so... <laughs> so, Sounds I'm interesting. Cat out of it, so no, no, it's not good. No, no okay. Well, so hold on, fill us in here. What, what's going on? You, so it's the wife's kitchen table. Do you not eat at it? Oh, well, it's my kitchen table as well. But she's she's done it all up nice and everything. And I, I, I take it over every now and then to do my art. And um, she tries to kick me out in the garage. She's at work at the moment, so I thought I'd just do it, but. It, it wasn't a good idea. It, it, it just goes everywhere, and the cat wants to investigate, and oh, it's a disaster. So the cat's paw prints an arrow all over the carpet with some acrylic paint. All, all, all over the kitchen floor. And... What's so anyway. hold on, Chris, 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 hold on. So you've just you've had an absolute mare in the kitchen, and you've thought, well, I need to give Kimmy and Louie a call, because I, I, yeah, need... I, I was stressing out, and I thought I'd better have a rant, you see, because sort of... <laughs> <laughs> okay, what do you what do you want us Get to tee up on? System, what do you want us to tee up on, Chris? <laughs> Just two things. Um, first of all, a bolter for the, t- the the tour to Australia. I don't know if you've mentioned him before, but I think he's just impressed so much. Is this Henry Shipley? No, have you heard that name. Yeah, I have heard that name, but we haven't. We didn't mention him yesterday with Mitch. Tell us about Henry, Henry Shipley in your opinion. Well, he's even a bolter. For, I was down here in Canterbury, and, and I, I, I knew he was a bit of all right in club cricket and everything, and he'd taken to some bowlers and everything. I mean, and, and but this year he's just done it over and over again. Where he's, I think he's averaging close to two hundred a game, at scoring rate, and he's done it. He's hitting sixes for fun, and he's coming in at real clutch times and. And it's not. Sometimes it's just a one-off of these guys, but this is three or four times this year he's done it. And yeah, his bowling probably needs a little bit of work, but his, his destruction with the bat is just incredible. No, you're right. He's um. These are his last few scores. So uh, he's 37, 78, 39. He's had a 55 uh, this season. He's had another half century this season. So he is going it's all well. About yeah, and with the ball, yeah. So he would be averaging. We've got a couple of not outs to his name, um, and with the ball, he's taking he is taking wickets. Although he did, he was expensive uh, against Otago on the third of Jan. But now that's not a bad shout, Chris. Um, what else yeah. have you got going? Do you follow the yeah, racing? Just, just, yeah, I'm a big racing fan. I used to bunk school back in the, in the late eighties, and um, sneak off to school, uh, sneak off to the races with my mates, and we'd. We'd have to get people on because they used to have on-course sort of detective people that used to walk around to catch the underage punters. <laughs> so you had to you had to be quite sneaky. And a few times I got busted, and Mum got a call, and we'd be in the office at the racetrack. <laughs> but, but did you have a pocket full? Did you have a pocket full of money, mate? That was the main thing. 
Oh, lots of times. We were good back then, but just on the racing, what used to annoy me is I try and get my mates involved in everything, and back in the day, they lost a whole generation, basically, and I yeah. get it. I get it. They they had to go for the sponsors and all that, but what used to happen is, especially at Addington here and that, you'd, you'd, for, the, for the sort of the members, they'd get the flash glass restaurant indoor and closed and everything like that with the flash seating and all that sort of stuff and the nice food. But with the general punter, who was the one that used to turn up there and put the money through the through the gate, you'd get pies and hot dogs and bottles of chips and sit in the freezing open open stand, and it used to drive me insane. And you know, and that carried on for years. And people just that's where they lost it. And I get it; they had to look after the sponsors and the and the people. But the people there actually are the most important because a lot of those sponsors would only turn up for the certain days that they were sponsoring. They wouldn't come back again. Yeah, Chris, you're, you're right, mate. The the punter was neglected for a long time, and you're right when you say lost generation. I think um it is better nowadays, and you can go to most tracks around New Zealand, and there is some you know the, the facility. Look, I wouldn't call the facility sharp by any means, especially in some places, but they do. It is better, but I know there's still work to be done there. I appreciate your call, mate. I appreciate your passion. Good luck with you. How are you planning on getting the acrylic paint off the table? Oh, because it's, it's got silicon in it as well, and it just goes all oily, and when you wipe it, it just goes everywhere else. It, it's not good. <laughs> oh, it would go up in flames easy enough. Mate, what are you... You're in trouble here. Double eight, double three. Oh, yeah. Anyone know how to help Chris? Because you're... What, what time does your missus get back from work? Oh, luckily, I've got about four or five hours, so... <laughs> luckily? I mean, you're going to spend four hours, 45 minutes <laughs> dealing with it. So enjoy yeah, not use a good towels. Yeah. Keep, keep, yeah, better not use the good towels. It's such a, such a good point. All right, see you later, Chris. Cheers, man. That's that's a that's a classic, you know, male line. Oh, can we use the good towels? You know, you can't. There's there's zero. Who knew there were good towels and bad towels? I just thought towels were used for drying your body. You know. Yeah, don't get me started on that one. What about pillows, Kimpy? How many pillows you got on your bed? Oh no, one pillow. Yep, one pillow. It's a pretty big pillow though, from my head. <laughs> 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 um, hey boys, I think Whitaker KOs Izzy this time. Mark, all right, Mark. I, I mean, I think there's a, I think there's a real dislike for each other, like in this fight. Um, you don't think the blokes like each other? It's not staged. No, no, I don't think it's staged at all. I actually think Whitaker doesn't like Izzy, and and I can't wait. I look, I I like the first the first fight. I I can't wait for the next one. I think I think it's going to be a, a humdinger. Yeah, me too. Uh, and Dino just followed back up. I've learnt more from talking to owners and jockeys when presenting cups and having a beer. Even if some members teach us and explain us how to pump, we can become more involved like that as well. Yep, Dino. Again, just continuation of exactly what Kempi and I were agreeing with you before. Uh, and one last one. When a Baz is he Smithy back? Well, I think I think a lot of the crew's back next week. Um, Ian? Is that Ian Smith? Maybe that's a trick question. Is, is that you sexting Smithy? Interesting. <laughs> 18 minutes to 10. Stephen McIver's up next, not Smithy. I can see him through the door, so I do know that. Trudy's world before then, though. Up after this, it is SCNZ Summer Breakfast. Uh, Kempi, it is 13 minutes away from 10. Should we run a snap poll between you and me? Should we read that text? <laughs> oh, I th- I th- well, I, I, think Barry's, <laughs> I think Barry's offering a solution to our ba- Barry- old mate down in Christchurch how to remove paint. Barry says meths will take acrylic paint off if that don't work, and and then he just then that's about. Or in a carriage, he says next, but oh, it's very witty, Barry. Um, this is Chris. He's he's in massive trouble if you just miss that. He's called in to talk some racing and some cricket, but before that, he's told us he's 
spilt acrylic paint over the kitchen table that his missus tells him not to do his artwork on. But she's gone to work and he's tried to pull a sneaky one. And now the cat's stood in it. There's no way he can get out of it. No, because they'll know. Yeah. She'll know. There's no way he can get out of it. Yeah. (laughs) No, no, no. Chris is done for. But that's all right. I'd blame the cat. I'd go outside. I'd get some some <laughs> some leftovers from last night's dinner from the cat. Smear it over the table and blame it on the cat and walk out. Well, the other thing you got to be careful for is if you use meths like Barry says, you don't want the cat getting. Well, it's it. going to wreck the table. And, and I don't know if you picked it up. Chris said that she actually done the table up. So he, there's no way out of that one, Chris. You better find, <laughs> mate. You probably got what? What have you got? You probably got six hours to sort that out. No, he said four to five, which means he's got to get it done. He's got to get a solution done in the next couple, so then he can spend the next couple cleaning. Because he's a male, he won't clean it. <laughs> to her. actually, there's no way out. He's actually there's snookered. No way out. He's 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 snookered by his own incompetence. And you know, Chris, we love you, but mate, you you're in a world of pain right now. Um, <laughs> yeah. We we're going to do Trudy's world, but Trudy must be on the Tongariro, which is fine. That's all right. We don't mind that. Um, we've had a good day, Kempi, talking all things. We talked a bit of Hellbergs. We talked a bit of rugby league early doors. We talked a bit of Chris Wood. Yeah. I, I, mate, I'd, I'd like to talk a lot more rugby league. You know, I think I think we're going under the, under the radar um, with the rugby league season coming up. I, I reckon between... Now and the kickoff, the first couple of trials, there's going to be some significant changes to the current year, um, given the fact that a number of teams pre-Christmas have been locked down with this COVID scare in, in Sydney. So um, I would actually, if we can, over the next couple of weeks, or come and try and get hold of um, Abdo or, or someone from the NRL to talk about what that, what that looks like and whether or not they've considered removing moving the whole competition into a into a safe state. So what you were saying this morning about keeping the competition running and just sacrificing because this is a long-term project, don't be too upset. Trent Robinson, off your song sheet, he says, is that the end of the world as players start to kick up about being in another hub? And it, it's, well, you know what about players? The mercenaries, mate. Your best mates, they're, they're your best mates, but they're, I oh know, I've been a player. They, you know, they have way too much say, you know, and if you want leadership, leaders have to lead. They take the competition, they take it into a, a setting that is safe, and if it's two more years of lockdown, they play it under a reformat, reformatted competition to save the game. What I'll tell you, it's a disaster if it spreads through the, if they lose one team, let's say, let's, let's say they lose one team, yeah? Competition's a disaster. Mm. Yeah, the ramifications are wide. How's, how's this from our colleagues at SCN1170 over in Sydney? They spoke to Trent Robinson, and he said, everyone knows it's jumped on us over the last few weeks. This isn't about a 20-year-old. How come we can't go to a nightclub? We know we've got vaccinations, but we've also got to look after the elderly and the vulnerable for a period of time. We know we've got to go through this for however many weeks or months with some small restrictions. I have not heard one complaint about restrictions. I've heard nothing, not one complaint, not one question. They've just gone, okay, this is what we've got to do. Everyone can see what's in front of us at the moment. We received the message from the NRL. We passed it on to the players, and we're going about adhering to them, and we'll just keep training. I don't see it as a big deal at the moment. You can go to a restaurant, but just sit outside. Is that the end of the world in summer? But it is a possum in the headlights um, approach, isn't it? You can see it coming. It's like sitting at the back in the... 
in in Sumatra and there's a ten foot wave coming. I've done that. I've got a hiding from it. So if you see it coming, you're going, oh yeah, it's coming. What do I do? Well, Trent Robinson's saying, just deal with it. Just just do what we say, and let's just make the best of that's, a situation. Just, that's what I mean. Like make the rulings, get on with it. And if you don't want to, and, and players say, oh well, how come I can't go to the nightclub? Well, you can go, but you're not part of this. Simple. You know what I mean? Stop, stop messing around and and flying, flying around the edges. Make the rule, get on with it, save the game over the next couple of years when the virus burns itself out, and then we move back into normality. Latrell Mitchell, Jack Whiten, Jordan Rapana sharing their complaints on social media. Yeah, it's three seven, three rocket scientists. Seven and a half minutes from ten o'clock. <laughs> All right, Kimby. Whoa, whoa. We'll be back after this final. Stephen McIver's got SCNZ Summer Breakfast. Coming to the end of our gallop, clearly. <laughs> I need a bit of a spell, I reckon.